Welcome again to the Coffee and Heroes podcast, once again with your host, as always, Alan. Um, yeah, so it's time now for the previews podcast. We would normally have a group of four. Uh, we're actually a man down tonight. Uh, Kieran has, unfortunately, uh, other things to attend to. And what a man. And what a man. He, he sends his regards anyway. He uh, he will still have some spaghetti bolognese brought into the store for him, even though he couldn't make it tonight. So, uh, so you're just stuck with the three of us for this one. Uh, so, uh, uh, as always, myself. Uh, Keith. Um, here with all your Marvel recommendations. Oh yes, he's uh, made a <laughs> copious amount of notes before we've even started. Uh, he's also rather nicely brought a graphic novel that I might be reading tonight. Uh, nice. Which ties we'll in with something we're talking about we'll today. Get, we'll get into with that, and then we're once again joined by Roddy. So he hey, uh, thanks for having me back. Yeah, well, yeah. you're becoming a fixture of this, whether you like it or not. I uh, I messaged well, there Roddy. Was, there was no one else, I suppose, maybe. So maybe. <laughs> well. I, I messaged Karen him the other coincidentally day. Coincidentally, left as well. You know. <laughs> he feels so threatened by you, I think. But uh, yeah, I messaged Roddy the other night and said, So are you good for the podcast and for next week? And he was like, Oh, am I, am I on it again? So uh, I think he was slightly taken aback, but we're very happy to have him. Uh, yeah, thank you. So uh, yeah, this is going to be the, the previews podcast. Uh, obviously, there'll be a bit less in depth discussion certainly in comparison to our review stuff but uh, mostly spoiler free if we can help it well yeah I mean previews I, I say it every time but it's just, it's an odd business in a way because you're almost reading spoilers for things that aren't out for a few months before you've even read the issues leading up to them so I mean myself personally when I look through previews I try my best to avoid specifics mm-hmm. uh, you know I always try to focus on new series or jumping on points for people uh, the board is written up in the shop uh, it's on the Facebook page as well but we just wanted to give a little bit more detail behind the, the picks. Uh, Roddy's slightly at a loss here because uh, I actually picked the DC and the indie stuff. Uh, Keith was in the pretty much the second the previews book arrived to uh, look, <laughs> through the, calling. <laughs> look through the Marvel stuff. So, yeah, sorry for my lack of knowledge coming up. Not at all. But uh, hopefully I act as like uh, a pivot for um, or an introductory, introductory voice for the yeah. rest of us. You know, lay the groundwork, so to speak. Because I'm not a big Marvel or DC reader. But yeah. I'm getting there. I'd say I'm getting there. You With you guys, you guys are helping me. So. Happy to help. Well, that's what we're here for. Uh, we, we do have to start off the podcast with me admitting something that's pretty hard for me to admit. But this is the first time the previews books have ever come in. And I'm more excited about the Marvel stuff than the DC stuff. That's not to say that there's not a lot of great DC stuff in there. It's just there's not a lot of new series uh, which I suppose in a way isn't a bad thing it's just the titles are so good that it's just the continuation of those so uh, yeah uh, made Keith smile though when I told him there was more Marvel stuff I have to admit yeah I mean it's, it's, a, it's a good strong catalogue uh, and even even the stuff that isn't jumping on points mm-hmm. I mean there's been some really strong stuff I mean uh, I've worried myself a little bit uh, <laughs> over the past uh, you know few months I guess since Legacy about Marvel's output, but yeah. geez, they're really with the likes, with the, with the writers that they're using and the artists that they're using, they're really starting to, I think, make a comeback. Yeah. So, what's getting you excited about Marvel? Is it a lot of new series or uh, jumping well, on points? I like mean, you I, say, I or? think there's a, there's there's a bunch of jumping on points this month. Uh, I mean, Marvel very often falls into the um, the trap of. Uh, just lifted Keith, lift Keith's beer there. Oh dear. <laughs> Speaking of traps, uh, Marvel falls under the trap or has done over the past 10 or 15 years of thinking that they need to keep coming out with number ones in order to keep interest, you know what I mean? Yeah. But uh, a lot of the a lot of the books that are out at the minute, I mean, uh, Captain America sitting here by uh, 
Tana Easy Coates and Adam Kubert, fantastic. Uh, we were just talking earlier on about Al Ewing's Immortal Hulk, which is at issue 13. Yeah. Which, uh, first trade just, just, just came out. The first yeah, trade, I mean, which, which is, is an absolutely fantastic. beautiful book. Um, so there's there's stuff that, that, that's ongoing uh, that's just really fantastic. In addition to, you know, the jumping on points or yeah. the number ones, which we, which we've we'll been talking about today, but they've really started to establish some good straw. Now, if they could keep away from this, we need a number ones or a bunch of number ones yeah. every month to keep people interested because it's just not the case it's just yeah. not the case you know I mean they've got an 80 year legacy you know what I mean mm-hmm. they don't need to keep pushing out number ones to, to keep people excited I don't think you know but maybe I'm an older uh, reader so maybe I appreciate the larger <laughs> numbers yeah. you know what I mean the, 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 the legacy well what's know. interesting is uh, even with saying all that three of the recommendations are number ones well, yeah. but <laughs> yeah. uh, no it, it, this Marvel book to me it's uh it's a weird word maybe to use for a previous book, but it seems really confident, um, as well as the stuff that we're going to chat about that's coming out in February. They're even recommending, they're even sort of laying the groundwork for their event that's coming in April, is it? War of the, War of the Realms. Realms. Yeah, which like, has uh, been running, well that's Jason Aaron's event. Yeah. Uh, been running through Avengers and the Mighty Thor. Um, they've been uh, teasing it for months and months through... Um, uh, Malekith, the the dark elf, mm-hmm. uh, has been engaged in this uh, war of the. Again, it, is, it has been a war of the realms, the realms of um, uh, around Asgard, you know, mm-hmm. the godly realms, and Anaheim and Niflheim, and you know the the dwarves and the elves and all that. And he's been uh, agitating, and uh, Loki's been involved. So this is clearly going to spill out. Uh, it looks like a crossover between Thor and the mighty Thor and the Avengers, which Jason Aaron also writes. So it's very much a Jason Aaron crossover. Yeah. Um, who's another one of the real great writers in, at, at Marvel at the minute, you know, so I think that's maybe the difference. I think Marvel have suddenly gone and taken a, a leaf out of DC's book, which was originally a leaf out of Marvel's book, where, where they're actually going, they're actually going, let's hold on to your writers, let, yeah. let our writers... We've got creative talent yeah, here, uh-huh. give them the tools to you tell know, their so stories. You've got Aaron, you've got Donny Cates, you've got, uh, you know, Tennessee Coach, you've got Al Ewing... Um, Chip Zdarsky. Chip Zdarsky. Yeah. yeah, so I mean, he, he was one there. that signed an exclusive deal recently, Chip Zdarsky, and I think we all thought he was going to do Fantastic Four. But uh, there's a series we'll chat about in here that he's launching that I'll be honest, I, I don't really think of him as instantly a fit for. You know, when I think of this character, you know, and this maybe gives it away a little bit, but I think of Mark Wade, you know, yeah. I think of. Matthew Rosenberg, I think of yeah, um, Brew Baker, which I'm consistently told to read his run. <laughs> you know, even think back to like Frank Miller and stuff. Chip Zdarsky's an interesting guy to me because I love his stuff and I follow him on Twitter and he's really a unique, quite eccentric guy, just really, really funny. Uh, whereas the character he's going to be taking on is maybe a bit more serious, but maybe it'll, it'll give the character a bit of an edge. I don't know. Like Scotty Young, for example, he has a very comedic sensibility, so he suits Deadpool. You know, I'm, I could see Chip Zdarsky writing something like Deadpool, but what he's going to write here is uh, a little different. But well, yeah, you say about Scotty Young, but then, um, and I guess we'll both want to talk about this a little more in uh, in December's reviews. reviews. Oh yeah. Uh, but uh, Scotty Young recently penned the first issue of a series called uh, Middle, Middle West, West. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the art uh, was was cartoonesque. He wasn't the artist on it, but he. He, he's working with an artist who I think has a very similar sensibility or at least yeah. A, yeah, a style to, to Scotty Young but even with that cartoony and colourful style oh, the story itself was yeah. a was an angry story and was a you know had 
dealt with various serious issues. Measures of violence yeah. and, yeah. you know what I mean? Domestic violence. Fantastic well, first issue. When you do that, you get a nice juxtaposition yeah, exactly, sometimes, don't you? Exactly. So, anyway. That's why we bring yeah. Roddy on to these things so he can use big words like juxtaposition yeah. that we wouldn't use otherwise. <laughs> Spot the writer in the room. Well, um, you tried Leviathan, didn't you? <laughs> he, he tried. But it's he Leviathan, I don't care what you say. <laughs> I don't care what you say. Um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, we'll just we'll kick off the previews anyway, because, you know, once we get talking, this can go on for a while. So yeah. we'll start with the previews anyway. Uh, it's going to be a little bit of a mix-up. When we first started doing the podcast, it was, right, here's the DC, here's the Marvel, here's the indie. We'll sort of mix it up by sort of one at a time. And a different personal introducer, we'll chat about it quickly, but... Uh, you know, one place to start, you know, it is the one event that I am absolutely loving myself. Issue 3 was recently out. Uh, Quite heartbreaking in places. It's two issues yeah. down my pile. Yeah. Oh. yeah so Keith hasn't quite reached number 3, but... Well, um, we weren't going to spoil it anyway. Okay. Oh, no, we wouldn't. You know, yeah. the previous podcast, as yeah. much as possible, will always be a safe zone, shall we say. Plus, <laughs> Spoiler uh, 3 was just last week, so... Yeah. Oh, you wouldn't would, be there. Be you wouldn't be there. Yeah. Well, oh, no, I'm good. I'm. I'm yeah. in the last time we recorded, the last time we recorded, yeah. I was like three weeks behind. Now I think I've got five or six issues, You're and I'll be good to go for Wednesday. Behind, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, he basically yeah, was yeah, muttering yeah. to himself, "I'm going to show him." You know, yeah. he had to catch up. You know, <laughs> sadly, sadly, I'm away in London this week, so. Uh, <laughs> oh, right, yeah. Yeah. New comic yeah. day will be Thursday for Keith. I think or Friday. Yeah, yeah, Thursday afternoon. But uh, yeah, that event I'm talking about is Heroes in Crisis, which leads us to the first recommendation, which is... Well, actually the first two, first four recommendations maybe, is yeah. it? Yeah. Okay. Um, so we've got Heroes in Crisis tie-in event, which consists of Batman 64, The Flash 64, Batman 65, and The Flash 65, all written by Joshua Williamson, um, who's a great writer. I know him from Nailbiter. Um, no matter birthright. birthright and ghosted as well which yeah. is a really cool pulpy series i love um some of the artists i'm not really familiar with um batman is done by gilliam march um hope i haven't butchered <laughs> gilliam um and then batman 64 kind of took my eye because there's a variant cover by sean murphy so oh, variant covers you know that's so always I mean, a dangerous rabbit hole. um this is for february so um if you want to yeah obviously place your orders right now <laughs> um but also um flash is done by uh, rafa sandoval and jordi tarragona um so they look they're artists i'm not super familiar with mm-hmm. i don't know if you two are it's interesting as well that it's chris burnham doing the covers uh chris burnham's an artist i know from batman incorporated mm-hmm. he's worked closely with Grant morrison a few times i would have loved him to be doing the interiors for all four yeah. uh but yeah it's, it's quite a mishmash of uh, artists here Sometimes the worry with tie-in events like this, if there's two different issues, the art can fluctuate a bit between issues. So again, I, I'm backing up with you, say I'm, I'm not too uh, familiar with the Flash artists, so I'll be curious to see how their style melds. Yeah. Joshua and Williamson is the regular writer on the Flash, isn't he? He's been writing the Flash yeah, since issue one of Rebirth. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. And uh, oh, well, he's obviously not the regular writer on Batman. No. no. Which is Mr. Tom King, who's taking a sabbatical, I think. But Gasp wasn't Tom King supposed to be writing like a hundred issue stint of Batman? I would imagine he's written a story for this anyway. But yeah, but didn't he come out and clarify something you were saying on Twitter? saying uh, that he, he said that uh, the... Uh, I don't think he did write the story in this actually, Alan. I think I'd be um, I'd be surprised if he didn't write the outline at least a because it's Batman and b because it's Heroes in Crisis and obviously that's his baby as well. Uh, well so I would imagine yeah. he'll have had story input. I would imagine, yeah. and then uh, I'm sure he gave Joshua Williamson a certain amount of creative freedom. 
Um, and then, just to give you a little flavor of the story, so it's two greatest detectives in the DC universe, as we know, Batman's... Batman and Detective Jim? Um, let me see here. Uh, <laughs> he might make a special no, appearance. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Kieran loves Detective Jim, doesn't he? He does, so yeah, 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 that's it. We'll try, we'll try not to spoil it for him, and just... Get him to buy it and hope he turns up. Yeah, because of course, Flash in his <laughs> in his uh, civilian identity, yeah. he's a forensic well, scientist, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. So I quite like like that kind of sounds like a cool. Um, the dynamic, dynamic between the yeah. two of them are great. I mean, you go back to Flashpoint; it's very much the Flash and Batman. You look at the button, Flash and Batman, the button, which was co-written by Tom King and yeah. Joshua Williamson as well, because Williamson did the Flash issues, mm-hmm. King did the. Um, did the Batman issue so these two guys work well yeah. together as well so would you say is this um, would this be DC's biggest tie-in for I don't want to say this year but um, yeah, would I mean, it be the biggest so far I would say so I mean Doomsday Clock's very independent it's on its own yeah. there's no tie-ins which mm-hmm. is a strong all the strong series for it um, tie-ins recently there's been some good ones I have to say that Drowned Earth was Drowned very Earth, good yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. and I'm not an Aquaman guy at all although looking forward to the movie mm-hmm. uh, and the other one was The Witching Hour which was quite good as well mm-hmm. through uh, Justice League Dark and um, Wonder Woman but uh, yeah this is I, I'm all in favour of Heroes in Crisis being as big as it needs to be because when it was first announced it was seven issues then it became nine now we're getting tie-ins yeah. but I have no problem with that <laughs> there's no uh, danger of it being bloated is that that's the only tie-in as yeah far as, we as know, far yeah. as we're aware this is the only one i mean this is going to coincide i think with heroes in crisis issue five six. slash six so it's around it's just after the midpoint of the story um i do i will be curious to see how essential it is i hope it's not going to be a case of you get to uh heroes in crisis issue six or seven and then a line of dialogue comes up and they go see batman 64 well, I mean, it says here as chief architect of the sanctuary program that costs so much for so many, especially and it's not a spoiler now. Mm-hmm. Wally West, who uh, is one of the casualties <gasps> um, in the first issue of uh, Heroes in Crisis, uh, Batman will be held accountable by the Flash. Yeah, so it's like even the cover, the one cover they've revealed, it seems to be that they're actually fighting rather than helping each other. So Batman just can't get along with anyone, can he? Batman's going through a bit of a hurdle time at the moment. <laughs> I mean, the Batman main series is so good at the moment, yep, but he is, a, he is probably the most unhinged I've seen him in the yep. comics in a long time. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, certain bridges you thought he would never burn, he's burning. <laughs> and <laughs> end of that last issue, I thought, put him down like the dog he is. It's like, yeah, <laughs> how, how do you come back from that? But um, yeah. it's always darkest just before the dawn, as one very famous movie said. Probably more than one movie. <laughs> Transformers, the movie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, for pull lists, um, just a, a little bit of info on this, guys. For pull lists, I mean, a lot of people who are on Heroes in Crisis are on Batman anyway. Um, but do let us know with regards to tie-ins. I never want to assume people want tie-ins. Some people like them. Some people don't. Um, you know, Keith's a good example. You know, he's reading Infinity Wars. Or sorry, he's not reading Infinity Wars, but he's read some of the tie-ins. And I have other people who read Infinity Wars but don't care about the tie ins. Spider Gen's another example. Yeah, yep. I'm reading the core series, but I'm not reading any tie ins. But not the tie ins. So I never want to assume people you know, want tie ins. So please do let us know if you do want these added uh, to the old pull list if you are enjoying Heroes in Crisis. So and if you don't have a pull list, what's your problem? Exactly. <laughs> you know? You need an oil, seven days oil a week. pull list is what you need. Like. <laughs> We're open seven days a week in December as well. So. Oh, yeah, uh, so you get some Sunday opening now, Sunday you? opening, one to five. So it's just an excuse to hang out in the store, to be honest. It's the most chilled out day of the week. You know, it's um, 
we had our first Sunday opening there yesterday. It was just nice and relaxed, and people coming down, chatting geek, you know, hanging out. So that's, that's what we want the story to always be, you know. So uh, yeah, so that's the first uh, recommendation: the Heroes in Crisis tie-in event, which issues. is four issues. That's four going to run. Issues, yeah. It yeah. is, but also just to let you know, issue six of Heroes in Crisis is also out in the same month. Yeah, just uh, so you're aware. <laughs> and this is something that uh, Kieran specifically mentioned, I think, in the last. Uh, in the last podcast that he was really interested in getting a, Get deeper, a deeper look, look at Sanctuary oh okay Sanctuary so you have to read ran. six issues uh, maybe if you read issue yeah. three you would uh, oh alright okay okay well I mean I'm just, I'm just quoting but no it is interesting you'll see this when you when you read issue three again this is not spoilers I would never do that but issue three very much is a look at how Sanctuary functions because a lot of people with Heroes in Crisis certainly that we've chatted to have said they obviously throw you straight in the deep end and they would have liked to have seen how Sanctuary worked before this happened and you get a taste of that in, in issue 3 but again I'll, I'll leave it there and not spoil anything <laughs> uh, yeah so that's uh, Batman 64 and 65 and Flash 64 and 65 so we'll move away from DC and on to Marvel uh, I'll leave you to Keith to introduce this one this is something he's very excited about so uh, what we're talking about is uh, it's a four-issue uh, mini uh, called Marvel's Annotated, and this is a 25th anniversary uh, celebration of the series that originally came out in early 1994 by uh, Kurt Busiek on, uh, on writing and uh, Alex Ross on painting. So Alex Ross, yeah. as you know, never pencils, he's always uh, a painter. And I've got the original uh, trade in front of us here um, it's beautiful it's uh, one of my all time favourite comics yeah it's uh, it really is a, and, it, it, and I'm the one left out here because I haven't read it but well, that might change tonight I'll leave it with you this evening <laughs> so the, the the crux of Marvel's originally was um, it's the year 1939 and there's a a young photojournalist uh, called Phil Sheldon who works alongside a young cocky J. Jonah Jameson uh, sold <laughs> yeah, um, and uh, Phil attends the uh, the initial opening of uh, the I guess it was the World's Fair at the time where they unveiled the original uh, Professor Horton unveiled the original uh, Android Human Torch uh, and what happened there it was it was an Android and then whenever they leaked uh, air into the tube the Android went in fire mm -hmm. uh, and he became the original at that time then. The experiment was considered a failure. That this uh, android man was, you know, that, that couldn't work. So, uh, Professor Horton sealed him away, and then later he cracked out, uh, became the Human Torch. And there's a really great scene in the book where J. Jonah Jameson and Phil Sheldon are sitting talking. And strangely, Jonah uh, isn't as freaked out by these new marvels as mm -hmm. Phil Sheldon is. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, of course, Jonah ended up becoming the biggest anti, you know, anti Spider Man guy of all time not true in the current series very uh, very much so not true in the uh, series yeah. uh. but uh, it goes from there and how so it's very much from an everyman point of view mm -hmm. uh, Phil, Phil Sheldon being this everyman this guy who is uh, he's courting his uh, wife to be um, and, and throughout the 40s and he, he lives through Marvel's golden age uh, so he witnesses the first fight uh, above New York of uh, the Android Human Torch and Namor the Submariner um, and he he is really shaken by this he, and he, he can't under, he, he, he 
it really affects him you know he's like how can I bring it you know he eventually marries his, his uh, fiance and you know he's like how can I bring a child in a world where these supermen exist and these things happen and then mm-hmm. later on he's his spirit is buoyed a little bit whenever Captain America is unveiled and he realises you know that this the, the force for the, good yeah it could yeah. be a force for good you know and um, and he witnesses all the classic moments, you know. Yeah, the, he's like he's yeah, your he's yeah, your, he like your avatar, yeah, like is, to yeah. see exactly what's going on. Um, and through the lens of his camera, yeah, um, he witnesses you know the mole man and the monsters attacking uh, New York and the Fantastic Four assembling and um, all of these awesome moments, you know, that yeah. you kind of wish God I would prepare for that. <laughs> so you can be through Marvels, you know. Um and it, it just goes it, it actually goes right the way through from nineteen thirty nine up until the seventies. Yeah. Um, it's like um we were talking about Stan Lee on the last podcast. Um it's kinda like Yeah Lee and Dicko's world, like you are like just watching him live in it. Yeah. You know, exactly. witness all these incredible things. Uh you know, so in fact, in this this particular version of the trade, Stanley does a does a forward, oh, uh, which is kind of nice to read. Um, but yeah, it really is. It really is fantastic. As he, you know, but it's how it's how um, how do how does someone who was someone real, you know, who was witness, witnessing this these mm-hmm. things happening in the world and the world changing yeah. through the golden and silver age of the Marvels uh, cope with it? And how does it, in very real terms, affect their world if it yeah, was a yeah. real thing? And I guess in some ways. That's nearly Watchmen like, you know, how how superheroes exist in the real world. Yeah, world you yeah, know what well, I mean? Kurt Kurt Busick does Astro City as well, which is another amazing comic. Yeah. And it's that's like right. it's all about the humanity of the heroes. Mm-hmm. It's about like you see these heroes existing in the world, yep. but it's not about that. It's yeah. about like the day to day grounded human emotion of like just, just living. This and was then, before that. Uh, yeah, so yeah. this this is the book that kicked off the careers of Alex Ross and, yeah. and, and like and Alex Ross. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Alex Ross very quickly realized I should just do covers. And it was, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's uh, it's because any but, you know, go ahead. Sh- sorry, I was just gonna say, should he do covers? If you look, I think it's this, just his, his it work so painstaking yeah. and detailed. I mean, I was when Keith showed me this. My only experience with Alex Ross and sequential art is Kingdom Come. Oh, and um, there's also. Uncle Sam as well, which is a Vertigo okay. series, definitely worth checking out. But yeah, it's just as like I love his work. He's the kind of guy that you know he should he should you know draw every comic book. Mm. You know, but <laughs> based on that painterly style and the dedication and the time know. and the precise I think the nature, time is the trick. Oh, it's a, did they know. ever announce? Like, did, did they ever divulge how long they spent on Marvel? Uh, I don't know. I was I was having a wee look there, and I can't uh, I can't see anything with regard to. <clears throat> I'd just um, be curious how long from sort of genesis of the idea to you know yeah. holding the book in your hand as someone who is. <laughs> Went yeah. through this recently, Roddy, yeah, in terms I'm of not, uh, pulling it all together. Probably just, just didn't take my artist as long as Alex Ross, I'd say. <laughs> but it's not to discredit the awesomeness of him, but I think the stuff Alex Ross does might take a wee bit longer. I would say, yeah. and he's, he did, he ended up doing, um, he did some great stuff, Earth X, yeah, and Paradise X, Paradise X yeah, and all of those, that, that trilogy of series, yeah. um, Universe X. Marvel's mm-hmm. Kingdom Come. Yeah, that's, that's it. I mean, this was so th- this is just great it's, it's a great uh, history of the Marvel Universe you hit all the high points you know Phil Sheldon goes off to war to become a war yeah. correspondent and then he comes back and then whenever he comes back that's when the X-Men are appearing and uh, he ends up um, I can't, I'm not going there I'm not, I'm not, I mean I don't yeah. think you can spoiler a, a book that was released 25 years ago 
<laughs> but if you oh, haven't read it, keep, yeah. keep those spoilers <laughs> to a minimum, please. You know, it's, so it's, it's a great introduction to the characters. It really um, is. It really is. Um, yeah, just I, yeah, just get a read at it. But so, the the annotated yeah. uh, the annotated version, uh, it seems to be uh, Ross and Busiek, uh annotating it. So mm-hmm. uh, that'll be really interesting to see. I only ever got the trade. I never had a singles. Um, I have the singles. Oh. Uh, <laughs> yes. But uh, so yeah, and then of course, as the you know it progresses, it gets towards um, sort of gets towards the seventies, uh, and then we get towards uh, you know that period of Spider Man's life when her Captain Stacy dies, yeah, and then what follows Captain Stacy's death, you know, and and all of this, and it's all about it's all about the, the 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 name of the book Marvels is the book that Phil Sheldon eventually decides to write the photo book. That he yeah, eventually yeah. decides to write because he becomes the guy who is known for documenting this world. You know, yeah. uh, it was followed up. Um, it was followed up in two thousand eight. There was a Warren Ellis um, sort of spiritual sequel to it um, in nineteen ninety five called Ruins, um, but it wasn't until two thousand eight that kurt busiek wrote the sequel which wasn't drawn by alex ross called marvel's eye of the camera which then followed oh really yeah oh. Uh-huh, it followed the rest of phil sheldon's story yeah uh, i do have that single as a six issue series oh, nice. yeah. i can pull it out for you yeah. for christmas if you if you're interested oh, really? yeah um but yeah really yeah. looking forward really looking forward to this if you haven't read the marvels originally i would definitely stick it down in your pull list if you have, like me, I think it'll be worth reading just for the annotations and, and revisiting so the thing. What do you What do you think it'll be? Will it just be them sort of I don't, going, going over yeah, it? I don't know if it'll be annotations of the craft or the stories. Yeah. Or... Based on the experience I have with annotated um, books, annotated books are essentially comic book version of a director's commentary. So, yeah. for example, I know in the store we've got the Sandman annotated editions. So instead of it being like a regular graphic novel shape of a rectangular book, it's a square book, and the rec- uh, they break it down the square page down into two parts. There's a long black part on the right, and then on top of that is the notes, and on the left you have all the original art. So I've always said to people with annotated, I, I can understand why Keith's really excited about this because this is a story he knows well and really enjoys. Uh, so he'll be curious to get more in-depth knowledge oh, of it. Yeah. What I would say with this particular title is that if you haven't read it before, in my experience, annotated editions are not the best place to start because I think you would get distracted by the annotations while you're reading it. There's a yeah, Watchman one yeah. out as well, which I would quite like to read. Um, and I think it's by Dave Gibbons. I don't think Almer had any uh, input into it. <laughs> I think it's primarily Dave Gibbons um, who talks about that one. So... I mean, the Marvel's graphic, I know we've got it in store at the moment. It's one that I try and keep in the shelf because it's a story I've always known as important in the Marvel Universe, but I've just never quite got to myself. But uh, just based on the sort of passion these guys are chatting about it, I think I'll be reading it tonight slash tomorrow uh, and getting through it. So I'll be curious to see how this ships in single-issue format. Is it going to be like Batman Damned size, magazine size? Is it going to be traditional comic book size? nice to collect, though. Yeah, so... I well, it, that's interesting that you mention it um, because the pre- it says Marvel's annotated one of yeah. four mm-hmm. it's just the preview the preview page is the show there for one issue oh okay so that's going to be so, massive I mean the annotations annotated. could be at the back even yeah which, but again that wouldn't be conducive yeah. to reading it for the first time so, I mean your standard yeah. your standard what issue 32 is, pages 32 pages that's yeah. 104 
so that's I think be... the Marvel ones were slightly longer than 30 odd pages though. they could be quite, 64 page maybe English would they yeah. be like the Dark Knight Returns sort of Six, maybe, 64 page yeah. prestige that format could be, that could be a square bound yeah that could be square bound we'll be curious yeah. to see how this launches there's no information in yeah. the previews for it um, it's a curious one but I mean Batman Dam was the same no one knew how it was going <laughs> to ship and then it arrived and we went what is this huge unwieldy thing and that was just the Batawang um, uh, <laughs> at least you've got um, the magazine bags yeah, aboard yeah bags for it yeah we were we were prepared but <laughs> accidentally I think to be honest because no one knew how that was going to ship. Accidentally prepared is still prepared. Exactly. You know, the, the prepared word is still in that sentence. So, uh, yeah. So that was uh, the next recommendation, which was the annotated Marvel series. As Keith stated, it is going to be one of four. Uh, so that'll go through the whole Marvels book. Uh, so we'll move away from the uh, DC and Marvel stuff and on to an indie title. So this one I actually found out about on Twitter before the previews book arrived. Mark Miller's someone that I would follow. He's He's probably as close to a rock star comic book creator as you can think of. You know, you look at some of the biggest Marvel movies. He had a hand in, not necessarily crafting those, but he wrote the original stories, things like Civil War, things like uh, Logan, Old Man Logan. The Ultimates, you know. Um, created um, the Ultimates universe. Um, specifically, he he is the reason that uh, Samuel L. Jackson is playing Nick Fury. Yeah. Uh, because the Samuel L. Jackson of the Ultimate Universe, uh, as opposed to the Samuel L. Jackson of the... Nick Fury of our, you know, the Nick Fury of the Ultimate. <laughs> Damn, they're inseparable. <laughs> Nick Fury, of yeah. course, is a, is a, is a, is a white guy, yeah. and uh, the the Nick Fury that we know and love in uh, in the movie universe mm -hmm. is played by Samuel L. Jackson. Well, just to give you a clue on that, before the Ultimates was created, David Hasselhoff was in a movie playing oh, Nick Fury. Less said, easier man. <laughs> it's so bad, you know. But it was it was uh, Mark Miller writing. Uh, Nick Fury mm -hmm. as effectively Samuel Jackson that did he ever get in contact with him in advance as about I, that and say no, like I can I use your likeness or? no I think it was a bit of a you know because they even have a conversation uh, during the Ultimates mm -hmm. where they talk about if you know they're sitting in whatever their base was uh, at the time and they're talking about if there was ever a movie made of, of the Ultimates who would play them Yeah, you know what I mean <clears> and uh, you know Nick Fury sitting there and he goes there's only one guy would ever play me <laughs> and that is exactly how it came to be uh, but yeah Mark Miller he bleeds the line very well between the comics world and you know the larger entertainment world he he has never turned his back on comics uh, you know he created Kick-Ass he created Hit-Girl he's done very well with his own independent stuff as well as the big Marvel stories that you know have formed the basis of the movie universe but I think it was about two years ago he signed a deal with Netflix to, for them to get exclusive rights to the entire Miller World range and I believe part of the deal was that that would equate to any new content that came out as well and that they would straight away turn it into a TV show or a movie uh, so this one he announced it on Twitter as I say the day before the uh, previews book came out uh, so this one is called Sharky the Bounty Hunter it's going to be a six issue miniseries it's uh, Miller, of course, writing with uh, Simone Bianchi on um, art duties for this one. Uh, now, he's an artist I'm quite familiar with. He is an Italian artist. Um, he worked outside of uh, comics beforehand. He would do CD covers, uh, things like that. But he's actually worked on everything you can think of, from Wolverine to Batman to Detective Comics. Uh, so really, really class artist. Uh, the... But this is his first image series, I think. Um, is it? 
Possible. I don't think so, actually, no, because I think no. they had one called Ego, or is that oh, Ego? Okay. Ego yeah. Sum. Um, but yeah, I don't think he's done an image series before, but don't quote me on that. Yeah, don't 100% yeah, quote well, me on that. I uh, should have researched. Put me on the spot, I Sorry. tell you. <laughs> this is why we bring Roddy on. He challenges us with his uh, big words and questions. Uh, but yeah, so for this one, it's going to be a six issue mini series. This is where I think Mark Miller excels. He's an ideas guy. I often refer to him as the Stephen King of the comics world because he has so many original ideas. Not all of them are gold, but the guy's imagination is fantastic. And he's he's at his uh, best, I think, when he's writing miniseries instead of trying to do long-form storytelling. So with the blurb in this one, it says, Set in a brilliant new sci-fi universe, Sharky is a blue-collar bounty hunter who tracks criminals across the galaxy in his converted rocket-powered ice cream truck. Aided and abetted by his 10-year-old partner. He's out for the biggest bounty of his career. Again, just sounds like fun. Pure not imagination. Uh, the preview art pages, I think, are pretty wonderful for this. I mean, if you can't fall in love with an ice cream space truck. Uh, <laughs> it actually sound, It doesn't really sound like a Mark Miller series when you've described it to me. It just sounds like a sort of zany image sci-fi series, you know? Like, yeah. I don't want to say it could be written by, like, the multitude of amazing talents that mm-hmm. Image get, but... Yeah, yeah. It, doesn't, it doesn't sound like a Mark Miller. Obviously, I'm sure Sharky will be a snarky kind of, <laughs> you know, quippy character, but, um, yeah, the, the it Mark, sounds really good. The Mark yeah. Miller template. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it, it just really got my attention, just the... Uh, I love... I love indie comics as much as the next guy. I mean, I recommend indie comics to a lot of, you know, first-time readers before they maybe delve into the sort of longer-form DC and Marvel worlds. So, I think this one's going to be a lot of fun, and it just, yeah. I mean, even just the talent they've got on to do uh, variant covers: Frank Quitely, Matteo Scalera, Carl Kershaw. You know, there's some some great artists on there as well. So. Uh, yeah, so that's uh, Sharky the Bounty Hunter number one of six, and that's due to drop February twentieth. And again, it'll be a, a six issue mini series, uh, which will actually bring us on to. I said before that it was myself that uh, put up all of the indie recommendations, but when I put them up, I think I maybe put it on Facebook about three minutes, maybe four, <laughs> and I got a message from Roddy saying, "Yep, make sure to put me down for that." Uh, he seems very much a child of the 80s oh yes uh, you know he recently added <laughs> GoBots to his uh, pull list uh, which is fantastic yeah first really, issue um, really really great series definitely recommend if you can get it in trade or if you can get number one yeah um, his name is passing me by Tom Scioli mm-hmm. does everything he writes and draws it like and letters and colours it's was that because no one else could yeah. read the GoBots? <laughs> I was talking to the I was talking to someone about this in the store the other day because they say GoBots is essentially just a massive rip off of Transformers. Yeah. Now you think of how the word bots is used in Transformers from Autobots and so forth. How did they ever get away with the name GoBots? I have no idea. If it was such a blatant rip off, I don't know. I think there might have been something that GoBots could have been before it, or like it was a series at the same time mm-hmm. because. I don't There's really this. Know. It's certainly got more. Yeah, it's more than just a ripoff. There was something else going on there. Yeah, like uh, I don't know the full story of it, but I think um, I do think Gobots had his own sort of origin. I'm sure it's not like this great, amazing. Uh, this place called Cyberron. High high culture. Oh no! Oh, what's it called? Gobotron. It's called Gobotron. Gobotron obviously. Wow. 
<laughs> but anyway, we God, don't even try. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so this is so, an indie title. This is uh, IDW, yeah? Yeah, IDW title, same as GoBots. Obviously, with IDW, you kind of know what you're going to get. A lot of um, a lot of licensed titles, and this one is some something I'm very interested in. As Alan said, Child of the 80s, G.I. Joe. I love G.I. Joe. Really do love G.I. Joe. I totally agree with you, or Action Force, as we used to call them. Oh, yeah, Action Force. <laughs> Well, it's weird you're mentioning G.I. Joe because yeah. we sat and watched the G.I. Joe movie the other day. The animated one? Oh, really? No, no, the uh, absolutely terrible Sienna Miller, Channing yeah. Tatum, Sec- you, you, second Christopher one has Eccleston. Its moments, but the first one's the Well, the second one probably has its moments because The Rock's in it. And if there's anybody who epitomizes someone like G.I. Joe. And, and Storm Shadow's pretty good. You know. Yeah. Bruce uh, Willis in the second one as well. Yes. Yeah. Uh, someone plays... Someone plays Joe, to me. Yeah, that's yeah, Bruce, Bruce Willis. Yeah, yeah. uh, well, I mean, my my go-to for G.I. Joe would be the original animated movie. Yeah. Which yeah. was fantastic. It's just that introduces... Uh, Cobra La. Cobra La, yeah. yeah I love and, it. I love uh, it. Just uh, really, I mean, uh, whenever you're talking about Transformers, obviously the same dude that did the voice yeah. for uh, Starscream did the voice for Cobra Commander. Yeah, yeah. Um, Chris Latta. Was that it? Chris Latta, yeah. 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 And... Uh, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of crossover there, and then at that time, the the wrestler, uh, the WWF wrestler, Sergeant Slaughter, Sergeant yeah. Slaughter uh-huh. played Sergeant Slaughter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was that was a great uh, that was, was a great movie. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. And another great like the Transformers movie had a great rock soundtrack. Yeah, yeah. and well, like in both cartoon series, they used they would use the same backgrounds and the same, oh, yeah, the yeah, same yeah. background music would always play as yes, well. They right. would like just reuse everything. But I suppose we digress. We could talk about G.I. Joe for... Well, I mean, I whenever IDW have had that property for quite a while now. It's up to um, about yeah, 250 yeah. to 260, the main yeah, series. G.I. Joe, Real I've American Hero. Read an awful lot of the, the... Whenever they first grabbed the property. Yeah. I've read an awful lot of the Joe stuff. Um... Yeah, it's an, it's interesting how they reimagined it, uh, and how they reimagined Cobra, and uh, gave everything real solid. You know, where in, in cartoons, you know, in animated series, you only ever kind of get a gist of a story, you yeah, know, a background yeah. story. Well, with this, IDW took the property and really gave it a real solid background and really explained mythology. This, yeah. yeah, mythology yeah. explain who this paramilitary force were yeah. and you know what I mean because I think with um, G.I. Joe you can either go you can go either way you can go like silly sci-fi which is kind of what I remember or else you can go what they've done but then obviously they have like they have a few different series as well mm-hmm. yeah. Um, yeah but yeah like um, what's the guy's name Aubrey Sitterson Yes, was writing it for a long time, and then Larry Hama, I think, has took over recently. I know Larry, well, Larry Hama is the is the the guy. Yeah, the, the G.I. Joe, the G.I. Joe yeah. guy. But yeah, like um, I think this looks to well, this title, which I haven't even mentioned yet, it's called G.I. Joe Sierra Muerte uh, Number One, which is a five issue miniseries, I think. I think it's a miniseries. Yeah, it's gonna be a miniseries. They seem to be experimenting with G.I. Joe at the moment with miniseries. They're doing something similar to what IDW are doing with Judge Dredd. Yeah. So uh, there's a current series of G.I. Joe running called Silent Option, uh, which is into issue two or three, I think, at the moment. So I would imagine this is the follow-up yeah. to that. But um, this firmly looks to be in the cartoonish version of G.I. Joe, shall mm-hmm. we say. It's got some lovely, gorgeous... Kind of, if you've seen Zelda The Wind Waker, I want to say it's like kind of cel shaded. So. Yeah. Um, it's by 
well, as it says here, visionary creator Michael Fife. Um, I know he's done a lot of indie stuff. He's Is that not Michelle. <gasps> Michelle. Michelle Fife. Sorry. <gasps> yeah, Michelle Fife. Who I think he's he's from South America, isn't he? Maybe. Silence. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we hope, no one wants to we commit have, to uh, say it confidently. No it, yeah, we're gonna say, we're gonna go for it. But um, it looks the looking at the preview pages, it looks proper cartoony, old school GI Joe that you probably remember. Is it full on um, like GI Joe versus Cobra the Enemy? I think so. It even says like eccentric soldiers dominating bizarre terrorists are showcased in this bombastic account of G.I. Joe's quintessential mission against Cobra. So and is that who's I mean I recognize some of those characters. So that... you got rock and roll, I think, Stalker, is that Lady, Lady J, J uh, Roblox. Roblox. There's uh Snake Eyes. Snake Eyes. Don't know uh, who he is. Scarlet. And Scarlet, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was yeah, yeah, he did. And then we've got yeah. Cobra Commander in the preview pages. And I'll get some more roadblock. And if you notice on the B cover, Zartan. we've got some Zartan. <laughs> so I think, yeah, the if you're looking for nostalgia, is dripping off the two of you right now. But um, if you're looking for that kind of nostalgic kick, I think it's definitely one to pick up. It's interesting as well that it's the same guy writing and drawing. Yeah. It's the same with GoBots, uh, as you were saying as well. It's, is it. It's interesting that they get to give their complete unspooled vision of how it should be. You know the way yeah, sometimes I think that's really cool. a writer will write something, an artist might imagine it differently. That kind of thing. And also, here's one for you, Keith. Each extra length issue, excuse me, features an in-depth exploration of Larry Hama's GI Joe, a real American comic book series, uh-huh. including an interview with Larry Hama himself, all conducted by former young blood and okay. current Sleepwalker scribe Chad Bars. Boom. <laughs> Everyone loves a bit of extra so content for these things as yeah. well. A wee bit of a sleepwalker love there. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. So yeah, that's G.I. Joe Sierra Morte number one. Uh, again, we think that's going to be a wee mini series, and that kicks off in February as well. Uh, so again, we'll move away from the uh, the indie side of things and back to the big two, which will be kicking off with the DC title. Uh, again, this is one I actually picked, but I'll leave it to Keith to introduce you to it simply because. Of the uh, the creative team involved, um, responsible for some of his favorite stories. Yeah, well, it's uh, it's a book that's been on my uh, pull list since Rebirth. Um, that's a good a good book. We're talking about uh, action comics, and the issue in question is one thousand and eight. Uh, the creative team is Brian Michael Bendis, uh, originally of Marvel Comics, uh, now exclusively DC, um, and the art and cover are by Steve Epting. Uh, and what Alan's referring to is Steve Epting's been with Marvel I think since 1991 done a lot of Avengers stuff um, worked with uh, uh, Ed Brubaker well worked with actually Kurt Busiek who mm-hmm. we talked about earlier on who's with the writer Marvels. of Marvels and they wrote a book called The Marvels Project which uh, again had that I think every man view but it was specifically about the invaders uh, Captain America the original Human Torch um Bucky, um, you know the World War Two mm-hmm. uh, invaders, um, and then, uh, to my mind, most notably worked with Ebru Beggar uh, on the Captain America series, where which followed up Civil War uh, by our buddy Mark Miller, yeah. uh, who we just talked about. It all connects. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like we have a part. Um, and uh, that's the story in which, after Civil War, uh, Steve Rogers was assassinated. 
Um, death, of, death of Captain America. Death of Captain America. Shot uh, on the steps, wasn't it? He was shot on the steps of the courthouse um, by Crossbones, wasn't it? Crossbones. Uh, and then the follow up in which Bucky Barnes, the Winter Soldier, became Captain America. So that was all Steve Epting art. So this is an old school uh, Marvel creative team. I don't think they've ever worked together before. No. Um, but certainly they both worked for the same company. Um, it looks like. Um, is this like a jumping on point? Jumping on point? Yeah, it seems um, to be the start of a new uh, story where they're essentially they call it a spy epic, I believe. Well, yeah. So the superstar um, creative team of writer Brad Michael Bendis agreed, and artist Steve Epting agreed, dig into the DC universe in this sweeping espionage epic. Uh, there's Stanley like alliteration there. Uh, <laughs> that's shattering the agencies and heroes dedicated to protecting the world. Um, as the DEO falls, only Jimmy Olsen, uh, Superman's best buddy, may hold the answers to helping Superman and Lois Lane uncover who's behind the attacks racking the DC Universe's biggest clandestine organisations. And when the Suicide Squad's Amanda Waller, who doesn't love a wee bit of Amanda Waller, <laughs> makes a shocking discovery, she can help the trio uh, understand the truth before the balance of the power shifts to Leviathan. Forever. Leviathan. So... <laughs> Uh, it's part of I guess it's maybe the start of or part of an ongoing uh, is that a crossover the rise of Leviathan uh, uh, I mean when it comes to Leviathan and the DC Universe I'm always brought to mind of Batman Incorporated which was uh, a society that uh, Talia Talia yeah. spearheaded um, uh, we haven't really heard much from them in the last while you so. may not have but that's because you're not reading The Silencer <laughs> <laughs> so I take that back because I actually am reading The Silencer <laughs> so that was my first introduction to Leviathan mm -hmm. um, is that uh, Silencer uh, is a former agent of Leviathan yeah who managed Leviathan, to get out who managed to get out or seemingly get out it turns out maybe not so much no one um, ever gets out but uh, so uh, that that's really that's the core of mm. what's happening in Silencer. So I guess this is maybe going to be crossing into Silencer, or because certainly the story at the moment in Silencer is uh, Leviathan is core. And in fact, Silencer the same month is part one of a story called Agent of Leviathan. There mm -hmm. you are. <laughs> so yeah, interesting. Uh, looking forward to seeing how this goes. Normally, whenever you think of. Um, uh, Sweeping espionage epics, you don't think of Superman? No, or uh, Brian Michael Bendis, maybe. Oh, interesting. Mm. Controversial, perhaps? Well, no, because <laughs> I, I was looking at it like um, my sort of Bendis fandom is like Ultimate Spider Man and stuff like that. It's mm. probably not like the aliases of the world, um, which is probably like a kind of crazy thing to say for people. But um, when I look at that, I think that's it's a really interesting mix because you got. Epting, who's done one of the most like instrumental works in comics with a Captain America run, and then Bendis, who I'm not so familiar with. I'm really only familiar with like Bendis as like a fun, like zippy kind of snappy Mark mm -hmm. Miller esque writer, which is probably I need to read more Bendis, obviously. Um, um, yeah, it's... I mean Bendis kind of specialises, I think I've said before, in, uh, in Talking Heads. You mentioned Elias. Mm -hmm. Written by Brian Michael Bendis. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, <laughs> <Phew>. so. <laughs> so well, did he write the TV show? Did he? He well, the TV show was based on the on the comic book. Oh yeah, well, Jessica yeah. Jones' first yeah, appearance yeah, was exactly. in the So, uh, but yeah, do you think it would be? Is it a great springing on point for like? I'm hoping this is a good jumping on point. Action comics to me has been brilliant. Um, I actually prefer action comics to Superman mm -hmm. out of the two. 
I would agree with you. Yeah. Superman tends to focus more on the cosmic threat, whereas yeah. Action Comics yeah, focuses like, more on Metropolis uh, and you don't want to say ground level, but I mean Action Comics kicked off with this whole arc to do with fires that were erupting around Metropolis. Mm-hmm. And Clark was it's as much a Clark Kent story as it is a Superman maybe story. that's where they're going with this yeah. maybe that yeah. I mean, it says Superman but maybe it's more Clark um, and cer- certainly Lois would fit very well into and this and also yeah. even like, you see the cover you know Jimmy Olsen you know is front and centre as well um, so this might be more of an investigative journalist type story and going back to what we were saying with Steve Epting he was responsible for one of my favourite series recently an image series called Velvet mm-hmm. which was essentially was also Ed Brubaker Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean those two together are just they're like you know. I magic. think uh, I think the universe is pointing you towards Edward Baker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's almost <laughs> like I need to read his Daredevil run. And his uh, Iron Fist run. Have you never read that either? Oh. My, two of us against him tonight. Kieran, where are <laughs> you? I need you. <laughs> Kieran, get back here! I need like my I need are, my DC guy. Those are the Marvel runs I've read. The Edward Baker ones. Look, you, that was you, my... you can see my collection right there. Captain America: Winter Soldier is there. Yeah, you know, okay. and. Uh, yeah, and Daredevil's there as well, but it's the Frank Miller run, which yep. is fantastic. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Action Comics is one I try to recommend to loads of people mm-hmm. in the store, and I hope this will be a good jumping on point uh, for them. Because uh, yeah, Superman, I think it's okay, but I'm much preferred Action Comics mm-hmm. since Bendis did come across, you know. So uh, yeah, so that's the latest one. So that's Action Comics 1008. Um, so it only seems natural that <laughs> the next title we jump on to. <laughs> That wasn't uh, after all it? the abuse <laughs> I'm getting thrown my way here is Daredevil now Daredevil is uh, a series I've been reading myself since the Mark Waid days uh, Mark Waid, Paolo Rivera Chris Samney that whole run to me was phenomenal I absolutely adored it it was, it was kind of my gateway into Marvel to be honest and then from there I went on to other titles but the Daredevil comics at the moment are going with a um, storyline The Death of Daredevil by Charles Soule by Charles Soule who's been on the title for quite a while now I mean he's been on it since we had left it's a couple of years now isn't it good a good uh, few years yeah, he's uh, been through the Marvel Legacy but he was writing it before Marvel's Legacy relaunched mm-hmm. although it didn't skip a beat did it? no no the numbers not, just changed not for a call yeah and uh, it even had an issue 600 uh, it did yeah it um, did. Uh, the, the current issue what is 612 612 is the final that's the final issue the finale of the series of, now before yeah. we came on here to record Keith was asking me if I've read it and I haven't but he seemed quite satisfied with the conclusion mm. and quite surprised by it the, uh, the last four pages are ballsy yeah so what is going to happen now is there's going to be a little five issue mini series called The Man Without Fear and it's going to focus primarily on the expanded family of the Daredevil titles you know there's a title that focuses on I believe Kingpin there's one that focuses on Foggy, Foggy um, but yeah there's five in total and then the news came out a few weeks ago that Daredevil's going to relaunch uh, with a lovely new number one. It's almost like Marvel are reverting back to their old tricks. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't think they can help it. Uh, it's they like an addiction can. to them. Yeah. But what's interesting about this is the main thing that drives me to this, other than the character, because again, I'm, I'm a Daredevil fan, is Chip Zdarsky coming yes. on as writer. Now, Chip Zdarsky, he's, uh, he's an interesting fellow. And uh, he did a really great run on Marvel 2-in-1. Uh, which everyone thought was an audition almost for the Fantastic Four. I was convinced he was, was, oh, was taking that title. Very, very good. It was, he was the Marvel 2 and one covered uh, the story of uh, Johnny and Ben Johnny, who had yeah. been left behind whenever their family uh, disappeared to rebuild the universe. Yeah. As, as one does. Um, 
Now, with this Daredevil series, we know nothing about it. It just says there's a tagline of no fear, as in K-N-O-W, and uh, no fear. the description is classified. So it actually hasn't told you anything beyond that. But again, with him writing, and also you've got uh, Marco Cicchetto on art. Um, he's worked on things like Morbius. Uh, he's worked on Spider-Man. He's Old Man Hawkeye uh, as Great. well. Oh, is he an Old Man Hawkeye? Is he he's the... done a good, good bit of Star Wars stuff as well, by the looks of it. Yeah. Um, so he's... Uh, he, he knows his stuff as well so that's a great creative team and yeah I'm, as much as I, I go back to what Keith said as well sometimes you don't look forward to a relaunch of a character but the creative team has me excited on that mm-hmm. I mean Daredevil's sort of been through the, through the run the past the past few years he was in San Francisco for a while and then he was walking the he was walking the roads for a while of, mm-hmm. of America and then San Francisco work yeah. was born it was trying to swing from rooftops yeah, and all yeah and at the same time the superior Iron Man was in uh, San yeah. Francisco I believe and, uh, I don't know what everybody had against New York at that time but all the Marvel heroes <laughs> and they all disappeared <laughs> but um, uh, and then more recently he's become the vice mayor of mm-hmm. uh, the deputy mayor of New York next to uh, our, our good buddy Kingpin Wilson Fisk well, didn't he leave New York initially because he um, his identity got divulged and he then embraced it, but mm. he left New York and went to San Francisco and he actually everybody knew he was Daredevil when he was in yeah, San Francisco was, as well. Uh, there's been a number of times that Matt Murdock's identity as Daredevil has been... Uh, that damn Karen uh, Page, I tell you. Yeah, there was that. There was a, a few <laughs> other bits and pieces, but uh, yeah, but the, the, I mean, the end to, to the, the death of Matt Murdock arc is fantastic. Uh, the, the whole arc was great but the end just really puts cherry on top yeah. um, so I'm kind of really looking looking forward to uh, yeah looking forward to seeing what, what's to come and uh, Chip Zdarsky is also uh, currently on um, Spectacular Spider-Man did he have finish on it? I don't know someone I'm not sure someone took Spectacular off their pull list simply because he was done with it. Maybe he was. I think his Maybe second last issue was the really great cover, the Sandman one, where Spidey's like sitting on top of. Oh Sandman, like yes, okay, right. Well, there you go. Clearly, it's changed, and I missed it. Uh, I mean, at the moment, Spectacular Spider-Man's all about the Spider Gen tie-ins. It is. Um, it is. Anyway, rather than its own sort of individual story, but uh, yeah, the creative team for that sounds great. So yeah, look forward to that as well. Um, we have Roddy pointing at us and you know trying to be silent and <laughs> you know just you know it's, it's an audio oh, medium my fine. friend it's fine oh I see no, I was trying to I was trying to help you out oh, so see, he's got his he's got anyway. his next one yeah. sorted as I try and look through the preview books in vain to get the uh, <laughs> to get the details up but again this is another one that uh, Roddy and I had a little chat about on Saturday when well, he was um, in the store just before you go on to that see with Daredevil mm-hmm do you find see with all these Marvel number ones just in terms of like a comic book shop standpoint mm-hmm. do you find like a lot of people will be jumping on it definitely like, makes it easier I mean I think what Marvel have done with the legacy numbering is good in that they adhere to the legacy with mm-hmm. it'll be underneath but at the same time a casual reader might go in and number one now we're in quite a unique position because uh, customers know they can approach me and chat to me about it. Obviously, if this was a bigger store, they might be a little less reluctant, a little mm. more hesitant to ask so many questions, whereas I openly embrace it. So if you walk into a casual store where there's maybe no one to talk to and you say number one, maybe it makes it easier. 
you know, it's it's like what we've done with the board and we've sort of written on jumping on point or new series or, you know, trying to make it as easy as possible. But I mean I use Green Lantern as the example, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. Green Lantern's fifty one where it just ended. Had one person with it on the pull list. Someone saw Green Lantern number one, there's thirty people with it on their pull list. I think Grant Morrison maybe had something to do with that. Grant Morrison as well, absolutely I, I, name I recognition. But Daredevil I think might be knocking, knocking but, those numbers like. But I think going back right. to Roddy's point, like say for example, it was Green Lantern fifty two with Grant Morrison. I don't think it would have had as many. It would have had a good few would have jumped on it, I think. But I don't think. I think that's just the nature of comics, though. No, it is. I mean, I wish. Uh, see if I had my way. Kevin Smith once said this, and this is how I think comics should be numbered. They should be numbered by year. And in January it's issue one, in February it's issue two, and then the following year it's the you change the year and you go back to number one, because I think it'd be so easy to follow. I don't. So I don't. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I can't I argue mean, with that. I much. think. I think. So what a new story arc starts um, in January. Well, all no, the time. well, that's the trick. Yeah. You see, I think what what Marvel do is, uh, in effect, so there's a new creative team. It's a new story. Yeah. We'll so we've okay, we got a number one. You know what I mean and. So I think I I would nearly pref- I, I would prefer they didn't they just kept to the legacy yeah. more and I just went just let the just let it go and yeah it, it it worked fine it worked fine for years. Do you think if maybe if they kept the legacy numbering but on the front of the new issue they said like you know say this is called No Fear Part yeah. One? That's always what they did that yeah. an awful lot and it was it was always fairly yeah fair, I mean fairly easy to follow. yeah I mean to be fair you know you open a, a Marvel book and it's got the it's got the information about the character in the front and usually the you know in the first page usually catches yeah. you up on the story Recap. you know so I mean and at no point are you it might be a new number one but you're still going to have a, have to have a certain uh, background knowledge yeah. of who Daredevil is which is fairly <clears throat> off for basic story right? so far but uh, yeah you know or even just the basics of uh, whenever Matt Murdock was a kid he uh, saved a blind man crossing the road and ended yeah. up you know in an accident that Exposed them to radioactive waste that blinded him, but heightened his senses to the point that he has a radioactive a radar sense that mm-hmm. uh, you know and so forth and so on. But then you'll not know about Electra, you'll not know about Foggy, you'll not know about you know Stick. So yeah, yeah so <clears throat> I, I don't know. Unless of course you've read, watched the show. Mm, yeah, <laughs> yeah. The sadly recently cancelled show. Yeah, well, I think it's uh, cancelled. Cancelled for now. Yeah, it's cancelled for I mean, it's the main reason I would say it's quite heartbreaking is because the writers have already said they had a wall filled with. They had mapped out season four, yeah. basically. Yeah. But uh, anyway, I digress. But yeah, that's uh, yeah Daredevil number one. There's actually going to be two issues released that month, so I wonder if they're going to kick this off as a fortnightly title rather than a weekly or rather than a monthly. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's uh, Daredevil number one. Looking forward to it. So yeah, the the other one we were about to move on to now is another indie book. Uh, again, Roddy and I had a little bit of a chat about this on Saturday. This is one that I know nothing about the creators, I have to be honest. But the synopsis for the story I, really intrigued me, I have to say. Uh, so yeah, take it away, Roddy. Take it away. Um, I think you would know something about the creator. Yeah. Um, I think it's J.N. Demetrius, who is famous for writing Craven's Last Time. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he used to write. Yeah. And he just yeah, love exposing my uh, lack no, of Marvel no, knowledge. Yeah. Tell well, <laughs> One of the most iconic series of Marvel history. But anyway, um, yeah, I think he was very, very popular in the nineties. I'm not too mm-hmm. sure what what he's been doing since. Probably a lot of stuff. But um, this 
girl in the bay series it just it was the art that took me by surprise um i think i think i walked into the store and you were like obviously pleasantries were exchanged but then you're like look at this and um yeah the girl in the bay so the art is by corin Hoyle. yeah who i'm not too sure I'm sure he's probably written some big mini series in the Marvel universe yeah, that I've never heard embarrassing of. Embarrassing ourselves here. Um, <laughs> hold on, <clears throat> just gonna fucking yeah, so air. He has he or she, Corin. I'm not too sure. Uh, yeah, I'm not you, too sure. You remember all that but, um, stuff we said earlier about linking titles together seamlessly? Sorry, it's well, all gone. all gone. Well, actually, I could link it seamlessly because do it. Uh, we were talking quite a lot about IDW titles, so mm-hmm. um, persons worked on Transformers Windblade, a lot of Ghostbuster stuff by the looks of it. Uh-huh. Um, but this is one of Dark Horse's Burger books. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Karen Burger, one of the most iconic editors, responsible for a lot of that glory period of um, Vertigo in the 90s and mid 2000s. Um, but I'll give you a, give you a synopsis of the story. So in 1969, 17-year-old Kathy Sartori was brutally attacked, her body hurled into Brooklyn's Sheepshead Bay. Miraculously, she survives and fights her way back to the surface, only to discover that 50 years have passed and an eerie doppelganger has lived out her entire lived out an entire life in her place. Uh, Kathy soon confronts not just the strange double, but the madman who murdered her five decades earlier. So it kind of sounds like, um, you know, like a mystery, very, I would say not quite 4400-esque, but the same sort of vibe, the same sort of you're coming back to Earth and you don't really know what's happened. Yeah. So there's, it's a a lot of, um, the art's very psychedelic almost, the pages in the preview books, but it's a title I'm very excited for. It looks fantastic. I'm not not overly familiar with all the burger books that have came before i know there is an anthony bourdain book called hungry hungry ghosts very good that yeah four issue yeah. miniseries and there's a there's a few more coming out but um that's i think that's the standout title yeah definitely yeah there's a couple more that this month anyway there's trade for olivia twist honor among thieves and LaGuardia. it's just a series going a few few issues but uh yeah, I just thought this sounded really intriguing, story-wise sounded interesting, and as Roddy points out, the art just looks pretty special as well. So, uh, Sorry, Corinne is a female, just so, <laughs> just so nobody shouts at Just me. in case you're listening and to this, Corinne, we Twitter apologize for Twitter is at RIN237, if you want to follow her, because she does loads of awesome art. Perfect. So yeah, so that's The Girl in the Bay, and that's going to be a brand new number one and a, a new miniseries. Uh, which I believe is going to be one of four. Uh, yeah, so moving away again from the indie stuff and back to Marvel once again. Uh, the next one is, I don't want to say it's a follow-up event to a previous event, but you it know, is. It, that's exactly what it is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the next one is Marvel-based, so take it away. Uh, so this, uh, this is Avengers No Road Home. Uh, it's issue one of ten, and it's a weekly series. The last Avengers weekly series was called No Surrender. Um, No relation to Belfast politics. No, no, but yeah, (laughs) yeah. There was there was some mention of that on the on the internet. Uh, It was a sixteen part epic. Uh, It was massive and cosmic. 
it had uh, three Avengers teams, the three Avengers teams that existed at that time, mm-hmm. uh, jammed into one. They, they included as many heroes as they possibly could without bursting the book at its seams, I think. Um, but uh, this is written by the same creative team, mm-hmm. uh, certainly with regard to writers. Anyway, it was written by three writers. Al Ewing, who uh, we know is famously mm-hmm. writing Immortal Hulk. And in fact, during No Surrender, that was the... Uh, that was the debut of the Immortal Hulk. Mm-hmm. That's whenever he came back to life after having been oh, okay. uh, off by Hawkeye during the No Surrender storyline. So Al Ewing picked up from that and, and from that No Surrender story storyline became the Immortal Hulk. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jim Zub, who I recall from uh, writing Uncanny Avengers most recently, uh, and Mark Wade, who uh, we've already spoken about. So uh, he's, I think, the most um, seasoned of the writers, mm-hmm. uh, certainly for Marvel. Uh, art is by Paco Medina. It's uh, a ten-part series, uh, and it is a sequel to uh, Avengers: New Surrender. Um, it's the same creative team, is it again? It is, yeah. Apart from yeah. the artist, um, so night has fallen across the universe. Now seven Avengers and one new addition journey forth to bring back the light. And the threat they face has destroyed even the gods. Will anyone make it home? So, uh, say ten-parter. Uh, the team it appears is brought together by Voyager, who was a character who was introduced in No Surrender. Uh, and she was this Avenger that uh, everyone had forgotten about. Uh, and it was built into the story as to how they'd forgotten about her and they retconned the story. And at this stage, they played upon the, the writers played upon the idea of retconning stories to make us think this was a retcon, when in actual fact, she had been, had been injected into the, into the Avengers mm-hmm. retroactively by uh, an external force um, so uh, she was a big part of the New Surrender storyline it's really interesting how they played upon that idea of retcon into sort of confuse you and, uh, and yeah, blindside sounds, you sounds a bit um, crazy the team's going to consist of Hulk Al Ewing's the immortal, immortal Hulk so this is going to be interesting he's on a team I mean you've read the Immortal Hulk he's not a team player no um, he spent a good deal of the last couple of issues beating the living crap out of the Avengers team um <laughs> Uh, so I'd imagine Hulk is probably not going to be on the team but he's going to be there in the way that Hulk originally was with the original Avengers whenever they united Hulk left after about three issues yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean he, he just you know he huffed and jumped off so it's going to be interesting and as well as that Hulk is now a horror character that's how mm-hmm. Al Ewing's writing him so that's going to be interesting uh, Hercules um, Hawkeye Clint Barton uh, Spectrum uh, Vision and Scarlet Witch and Rocket Raccoon and apparently halfway through the series there's going to be a uh, surprise cast member added um so yeah it seems that they're i don't know the the gist of the story but it, it seems from what i read that they're making whereas uh, new surrender was a massive cosmically powered external story uh, that could end the universe you know mm-hmm. like anything dc uh, <laughs> 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 this is more of a an, more of a, a personal uh, story uh, with uh, I guess personal stakes, so um, that's that's what I understand about uh, about uh, No Road Home uh, just at the moment. So uh, looking forward to it. Um, if it's anything like No Surrender, No Surrender was probably my favorite Avenger story uh, of the last bunch of years. It mm-hmm. was really, it really was an Avenger story. It was fantastic. If you can pick up the trade, I think it's worth doing. Yeah, um, that's on the go at the minute, isn't it? All it is indeed. Yeah, trades uh, already come out. Nice big thick bad boy, as you say, sixteen issues. Yeah, 
this is ten. This is going to be ten. ten. Issues. Okay. Um, by the look of it, this will be out late February, simply because they've only announced issue one there, from what I can see. Yeah. That, um, uh, is that a variant cover I'm looking is at? That it looks, for it yeah. looks absolutely one of my favorite yeah. um, So, so yeah, looking looking forward to this. Um, I think there's been some consternation about it because they're actually lumbering numbering this with the legacy number, and, yeah. and as I understand, Jason Aaron's book is going on hiatus for yeah. two years. Yeah, I was months. just about to ask uh, that: would this be a side sort of um, a side project, or would this be through the main? Yeah, no, no surrender was through the main continuity, wasn't it? Uh, it, it was, but it. It uh, no surrender picked up when there was no Avengers book. Yeah, uh, and then the Avengers book, then Jason Aaron's Avengers book started off the back yeah. of that. Um, this they seem to be they, they seem to be putting the Avengers book, Jason Aaron's Avengers on hiatus, yeah. and this is picking up the legacy number. And so what they're effectively saying is, this is part of the main continuity. Wasn't it Jason Aaron going to be doing more of the realms? Yeah, I guess that's so probably that's... exactly what's uh, that's probably exactly what's happening. Yeah. Uh-huh. Excellent. So yeah, or so so I understand. I mean, there's a, there's a couple of Avengers listed in here, but what I understand is they're uh, winding down. Well, uh, as I say, just taking a break, taking a break. So yeah, uh, that's Avengers: No Road Home, number one of ten. Cool. Um, yeah, so we'll move away then from uh, Avengers: No Road Home, number one, and uh, move across to DC's big uh, team, uh, Justice League. So. Justice League to me since it relaunched it's been a bit up and down uh, when it relaunched I was obviously very excited it was Scott Schneider it was uh, yes Keith you can go pee uh, <laughs> uh, yeah when it relaunched it was Scott Schneider so you know for a long time my favourite DC writer you know, it had Jim Chang on uh, art it looked big it looked bold it came out of the uh, the remnants of metal and no justice but the series for me, it's, it's been a bit up and down. I've recently enjoyed the issues that are linked to Drowned Earth, which is an Aquaman event, which has been pretty excellent. Uh, but there have been a few other issues where I've been a little bit just meh, just not looking forward to it the way I should be with the Justice League book, I think. Now with this one though, I, I have to say the story synopsis has got me, got me excited for it. Uh, it's actually gonna follow the events of a Justice League annual. Now, with this, it just sort of prefaces that by saying after the disastrous events of that uh, annual. But it's it's the story that has grabbed me for this one, which is uh, Martian Manhunter decides to take matters into his own hands and negotiate a peace with Legion of Doom leader Lex Luthor. Travelling to a distant moon, the two enemies face their intertwined past in a showdown for the fate of the multiverse. However, before either of them can lay claim to the power of the Source Wall once and for all, an unexpected threat forces them to unite, or risk death at the ends of the cosmos. I'm always a fan of these books where heroes and villains have to team up. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, and it plays into what Keith was saying about the fate of the cosmos, though. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, no, absolutely. That's why I'm, it all links together. Yeah. It all links together. Uh, yeah, no, I just I like this thing when, when they realise there's something bigger than themselves. It's... Mm-hmm. I don't want to throw spoilers out there for Metal. It is an event that's obviously been over quite a while, but I love that the end of Metal was Batman had to team up with the Joker to defeat the Batman who laughs. Yeah. You know, because it was the good guy. <laughs> you weren't going to spoil it. Yeah, well, it's been out <laughs> for a while. Oh, he went there. Beep. Uh, I'll beep that out. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I just I like those types of stories where heroes and like heroes and villains. If you think about it, they ultimately they want the same thing. It's just how they go about. Doing it. 
although the looks I'm getting from Keith here would suggest otherwise. Um, so a good villain for me is someone who believes what he is doing is right. Lex Luthor does not see himself as a villain. He sees himself as trying to build a better world, and this is how I'm going to do it. And he sees Superman as an obstacle for him doing that. Mm-hmm. So any good villain, whether it's in a TV show, a movie, a comic, I think they're at their best when you can kind of see their point. Case in point, Infinity War. Thanos, obviously what he's doing is completely genocidal, but he believe, but he's not doing it for those reasons. He's doing it for the greater good he sees of, you know, half the population will... You know, flourish. They, there won't be any poverty. There won't be starvation. There won't be a lack of resources, and that's why for me he's such a compelling villain because what he believes what he's doing is right. And some villains just want to watch the world burn. Some do, <laughs> but the fact that this is you know the the main people they're focusing this series on is going to be Lex Luthor and Martian Manhunter. I just find that really really interesting. Does uh, it tie into the new Martian Manhunter? I don't think it will at all. That looks like it's going to be its own independent same, thing. Same sort of version? Or so, I haven't sorry. read Martian Manhunter number one yet. Oh, so yeah. I'm not sure. it's <laughs> out this week. Yeah. Uh, which I'm looking forward to. It's written by Steve Orlando. It's actually, I have to say, Justice League is a book that I have been considering dropping. Uh, it's just been you can really tell he disappeared there because this is, this is exactly what I was saying. Well, I cut, yeah, <laughs> just cut you in the way. It's very it. up and down, I find. It's, it's not fulfilled its potential. Yeah. I would, I would argue. Um, you know Schneider. That's mad when I look at the creative talents. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, it's. Um, I mean, for me, it's not even the best Justice League book at the moment because Justice League Dark is a better book, and Odyssey is more interesting. I find so it's it's probably the weakest of the three, and I thought this wow. would form the crown jewel of DC moving forward. Yeah. Um, because I've never understood why team books don't work as well as they should because you know you've got all the top characters there. You know, surely it should be the best of them all. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, it's probably... It almost sounds like this isn't even a recommendation. So if you're looking to jump on this really uneven title... And I believe uh, it says a jumping on point as yeah. well. No, well, that's it. That's the idea behind it. But, um, no, I mean, there's Justice League still probably in our top five maybe top six pulls in the store for dc stuff yeah so people are obviously still digging it but i can see you know likes of keith's maybe not join it as well much. no i have to say the the current drowned earth storyline which is the crossover with aquaman that's yeah. been that's been good uh there's been moments yeah, in it that have been yeah, good if yeah. that makes sense i think there's been great moments in it there was a great part i think it was justice league issue three or four where the joker like came up behind hawker yeah. which was fantastic it was such a great moment brilliantly written brilliantly drawn but it, for me it's been a series of moments uh-huh. rather than a cohesive story I would say but uh, yeah if you do fancy dipping your toes into an uneven title <laughs> I'll go back to what I just said uh, Justice League well, 17 because I, I don't read it <clears throat> so I haven't read any of Justice League but I'm the biggest Scott Snyder fan in the world James Tennyson is James Tanyan is pretty much his disciple I mean he's writing Justice League Dark for example yeah you know Tanyan so yeah, well, um, we'll, who's the cast? Sorry to uh, keep asking those questions. No, not at all. So basically, the what you can see here, I think this is more from issue eighteen because mm-hmm. this is showcasing the Legion of Doom. So you know, you've got Gorilla Grodd, you've got Sinestro, you've got Lex Luthor, you've got Black Manta, uh, Cheetah as well. Um, but I'm not sure who this so is at all, the front. They're all the villains, kind of. Yeah, so that's a, that's a white Martian that, oh, they're, okay. that they're they're disassembling or doing whatever they're doing to. 
So Justice League mm-hmm. has followed a format where what they've done is for four issues it's Justice League and then the fifth issue focuses on the Legion of Doom. Oh, and then the next four okay. issues focus on Justice League and then there's one issue of the Legion of Doom. So uh, that looks to be what they're doing here because 17, mm-hmm. the one I'm chatting about, kicks off and then it says and in issue 18 the Legion of Doom returns as the history of the Legionnaires Club is revealed. So uh, yeah, we'll see how it goes with that. Um, I don't know how good a recommendation that was but... Either way, Justice League 17, that'll be launching 6th of February. Uh, so, yeah, we'll move away from uh, Justice League and on to what I would have thought was a Marvel title, but given the talent involved, but no. This is an indie one that uh, Roddy's going to introduce. Some, some might have thought a DC title. Really? Dicko? If you had told me Steve Dicko's Monsters, I think... Uh, I just the think fourth Dit- world Steve Ditko mm. kind of thing. I just think Ditko Spider Man. I just make that assumption straight away. That's a fair assumption to make. Yeah, yeah. You know, fair. That's, that's where my mind goes with Ditko because for me he's as yeah. important in creating Spider Man as Stanley was. So, very true, true, very true. Yep. Um, but yes, we have an IDW title, and it's one sort of in the same vein as Marvel's earlier. I'm not entirely sure what it entails. Um, so it's called Dicko's Monsters. Obviously, we've said Steve Dicko, one of the greats of the industry. Um, it's written by Joe Gill. So it's two famous monsters of film land battle for your hearts and minds in this terrorific comic. Gorgo and Conga's best individual stories. They don't go head to claw. They're busy fighting commies, but they battle for your mind as you decide who's the coolest of the cool can't believe I'm reading this. <laughs> Plus, it gets, it gets even better. Oh, it really does get better. This is what I should do with uh, Fractured Worlds and Fractured Minds. Um, plus two covers using flipism technology. Flipism technology, yes. Yeah, only in comics. Um, <laughs> one on the front, another on the back, and wait till you see the flipped out centerfold. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is a, this is a one shot. This is very much a, a love letter to sort of old school comics. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's got a couple of introductions. One of the introductions is actually by Mark Ditko, uh, which could be quite interesting as well. I mean, yeah. this is it's just a wee one shot, so it is. But uh, to me, this will be fun. I I know there's it's, certain guys who come in this store will, will love this kind of stuff. I think it's a love letter to kind of that old school vibe of comics. Yeah. And just just while I'm here, it says it also it's nine ninety nine dollars. Mm-hmm. So I think it might be like a prestige. Yeah, ninety six yeah. pages. Um, you know, and of course, you know that flipism technology does not come cheap. <laughs> but it's the kind of thing you can almost imagine to like something like uh, the Twilight Zone type music. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. Monster versus <laughs> monster. You know, it, it, again, I just think it'll be a lot of fun. I, I love one shot editions of this and love letters to the past and, and that kind of thing. So it's based. I think IDW had a couple of. Um, he's already done. Mm-hmm. Gorgo. Gorgo might be a series. I think. Okay. It might be worth looking into, but I know IDW have done sort of Steve Ditko stuff before. Yeah. So it might be worth checking out um, in previews or ask Alan if you're into that sort of thing. <laughs> cool. So, yeah, just a very quick wee one there. So that's uh, Ditko's Monsters. Uh, we one shot June, February. Uh, from that, we'll move back on to another Marvel story. Uh, again, this is uh, one that we've tried to find a good jumping on point. Uh, for a title that's already ongoing so this one is uh, Uncanny X-Men 11 Uh, so Uncanny X-Men is currently uh, weekly 
uh, in the same way as the Avengers book that uh, uh, I spoke to you about, uh, No Road Home. Uh, so currently Uncanny is the only X-Book, uh, X-Men Blue, X-Men uh, Gold, X-Men Red I believe, and X-Men Black, which was only a limited, have all folded into what was the original uh, title of the X-Men, which was Uncanny X-Men. Um, what they're doing at the minute is a bit of uh, sort of a bit of team building and uh, there seems to be a story rising uh, that features a lot of the X-Men but uh, this falls after that so I, I don't know if after issue 10 it's going to be a monthly book it's, um, I believe it's by the look of it if it's going to be 11 and 12 being solicited here I would imagine fortnight well it is yeah you could be right yeah, yeah absolutely uh, and this is issue 11 is a special oversized uh, 72 page book Mm -hmm. uh, it is a jumping on point it's um, the, the story prior to this is called X-Men Disassembled after I guess the old Avengers Disassembled art mm -hmm. by Brian Michael Bendis um, but this new arc is called Devastation and the thing that gets me is that uh, Scott Summers Cyclops is on the front cover and uh that's a very old uh, school nineties uh, X Men cover. Yeah, just by is. looking at it, it kind of um, is. Yeah, and that's the old school. Reminds me of the cartoon. That's the old school nineties uh, X Men in the background. Uh, but uh, in the foreground here, we have Cyclops, uh, who wow. hasn't been featured in comics in many it's years. It's nice to see him get a story at least. Yeah, uh, and he's, he seems to be holding the uh, the ruins of the Xavier Institute in his hands. Now, this is written by Matthew Rosenberg, who's currently on Punisher. Mm -hmm. Uh, and illustrated by Salvador Larocca, who uh, is uh, a long-time uh, staple of, of Marvel Comics. Um, kicks off in February and features what is apparently to, to be a, a soon-to-be-resurrected Cyclops. Uh, now, Cyclops um, died in 2016 in the Death of X storyline, uh, which followed the um, X-Men vs. Inhumans uh, series. Uh, and he suffered, he died uh, due to uh, Terrigen mist poisoning. He was poisoned by Terrigen, which is the, the chemical that gives, uh, in that, that, that X-Men and humans crossover, Terrigen is the, the chemical that gives in humans their powers. They're exposed uh, to it okay. uh, as teenagers, and they either die or their powers express, and they become inhuman. Uh, now, likewise, uh, mutants express their powers during their uh, teenage years, but it turned out that Terrigen Mist was um, lethal to anybody who has an X gene or a latent X gene. Mm -hmm. So it was literally a fight for the uh, <laughs> the survival of one race or another. Right. You know what okay. I mean? Uh, just as a result of this. Uh, so Cyclops is going to have a lot to come to terms with because uh, prior to his death, he was responsible to he was responsible for the death of Professor X, mm -hmm. his mentor, who he killed while he was under the influence of the Phoenix Force. Um, that did lead to a really great reveal in Astonishing X-Men when Charles came back. Oh, yes, yeah. It was yeah. first issue, wasn't it? Uh, it was like the final page of it. Yeah, but uh, it's not uh, It's not what... I don't know how far you are on into the mm. Astonishing X-Men story. It's maybe not what you thought. <laughs> uh, but uh, So here's Scott Scum Shattered Scott Summers uh, kneeling amongst the wreckage of what was the Xavier Institute. Uh, I'm not sure whether this is the same school that is the current... Xavier Institute for Mutant Education and Outreach, or whether it's, um, the you know the former one, but in the background, as you say, Roddy, you can see, um, the costumes that the X Men wore during the the, the 90s Jim Lee era yeah. of uh, of X Men during that relaunch. 
Uh, from what I understand, Cyclops is uh, slated to come back in January's Uncanny X-Men Annual 1, which is going to be by Ed Breeson, who is currently um, writing X-Men the Extermination, uh, which is another fantastic limited series that is seeing off the original five X-Men who have been um, sojourning in the present day from the 60s uh, for the past <laughs> few years. Um, okay. So... Uh, Ed Breeson's writing his X-Men annual where apparently Cyclops is coming back uh, how or why he'll make his comeback from the afterlife uh, I'm not 100% sure um, and the whole thing is shrouded in secrecy um, so I don't know whether that return will tie into the events of, of Disassembled and Devastation or whether the annual stand on its own or whatever but um, Cyclops has always been one of my favourite characters so yeah, it's nice it. to see him yeah. It's nice to see him come back, and then X Men, Uncanny X Men Twelve, which is also solicited here, has a wonderful cover which uh, features uh, Cyclops <laughs> and Wolverine together. And these two, obviously, uh, they they're never they've never been big fans of each other. They have very opposing ideologies, uh, very opposing um, personalities. But uh, whenever the two of them work together, it's always great fun. And on issue twelve, they're working together as the last X-Men exclamation mark just uh, don't look too closely at that cover yeah that's it yeah. Wolverine's hands looking kind of weird in that one uh, <laughs> given that he has five fingers and uh, one thumb bit strange <laughs> bit strange um, which is such a shame because the rest of the image is bloody great but yeah looking forward to the return of Cyclops and, and how that might how that might happen uh, how that ties in with the uh, Age of X-Man um, or the, the current X-Men Disassembled series I'm not sure but uh, nonetheless looking forward to it yeah yeah good jumping on point for that as well I mean I found Uncanny X-Men I've enjoyed the first few issues of it but I I, I just can't get on board with how Marvel launched it you know, mean? making it weekly because it's almost very aggressive it's almost like if you want to get into this you have to buy every issue every single week I, I and think if you're unsure about it maybe you don't read it top of your pile week one and then you're only getting around to it as issue two comes out and then maybe you didn't put it on a pull list and then you can't get it. Mm. I just think it's a bit aggressive the way they've done it. I think I think that what they've done is they've they've looked at the success of Avengers No Surrender and gone, this could work for us. Mm. And maybe it isn't working as well. Not sure. It's a funny one for me because uh, it follows um, it follows the the Xavier School as led by Kitty Pride. Yeah. Um, and there, there's a bunch of new mutants there who I really don't care about. <laughs> I've never cared about, you know, they've, they've, I think they've been kicking about for years now and I mm-hmm. still haven't bothered to learn their names because they're not X-Men. <laughs> you know, <they're, laughs> so I'm interested in one half of it, one half of the story, which is uh, Bishop and Kitty Pride and Iceman and, um, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the, the original, the X-Men, you know, yeah. um, but the other side of that story which is the new X-Men and what they're up to and I, I think they're feeling that a wee bit because every time the X-Men come back they're like alright guys go to bed or you know <laughs> if you can just do the crowd control or and there's a, a story going on which involves multiple man who's another one of my favourite uh, mutants of all time uh, Jimmy Madrox um, so I'm kind of enjoying that and recently uh, Charles Xavier's uh, son Legion has uh, has appeared um, so yeah I'm, I mean I'm I'm enjoying it, uh, but I can see your point. Yeah. I can see your point. Yeah, it's just hard from from the likes of a comic store's perspective, where maybe ten people ask for number one, but they're not sure if they're going to go with number two, and 
obviously you place your orders a week in advance so it can be hard yeah people don't jump straight onto it you know they're maybe coming back two weeks later and going yeah, oh yeah. i missed number two you know, that kind of thing. immediate feedback for it yeah, it's, yeah. It, it can be a little tricky but in fairness you know anybody who's picked up the number one with us has continued with it so you know. I, 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 can, I mean I prefer my comics monthly I, whenever I see a series going weekly or even fortnightly mm. uh, you know which has happened with some of the, the DC books as well yeah. um, I kind of go oh come on now you're taking the piss because these things are <laughs> expensive enough as they are so yeah. I'm good enough with that monthly but if I have to do it weekly it starts to and that was my worry whenever Avengers New Surrender came out and mm. then I ended up becoming the biggest fan um, but that's true yeah I mean it's it, I'm not I'm, and I, I enjoy the idea weekly works well when it, when it comes to story arc because it's just bang 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 and you're keeping yeah, your mind yeah. in the story you're not having to wait a month it's always fresh yeah exactly so so in that respect it works very well but I can see your I can absolutely see your point um, yeah but well I mean I think I'll be sticking with X-Men yeah. certainly up through this point I don't know what they're what they're doing with this Edge of X-Man and uh, you know so forth and so on but uh, but yeah uh, we'll see we'll see cool. certainly sticking with the core series no worries, so that is uh, Uncanny X-Men number 11. Uh, so we're going to jump away from that and onto a bit of an indie uh, indie slant now. Uh, the next title for me is uh, is one that I'm very much looking forward to. And again, this is going to be a strange introduction to a recommendation after Justice League. Uh, so there's currently a Bubba Ho Tep series running now. I'm a big Bruce Campbell fan. Love the movie Bubba Ho Tep. Uh, Bubba I, Ho Tep and the blood-sucking... Blood-sucking... Oh, I'm lost yeah. uh, we will find it out in a second <laughs> uh, but the comic itself it's been a little bit up and down so it has it's you know there was there was one guy who, who comes into the store a big regular called Carl and he's a huge um, uh, Bruce Campbell fan as well but after two issues he actually gave it up and he said this really the cosmic bloodsuckers that's it isn't it cosmic, yeah, and I didn't even have to look that up uh, but after two issues he dropped it because he said this stuff should write itself and um, whatever creative direction they took mm. it's not maybe as immediately satisfying as it could be but with this one this is uh, actually going to be a crossover which is one of the things I love about comics is that you can yeah. take the most mm-hmm. unique combinations in the world and throw them together and you know make something interesting this looks like one of them this definitely is I mean <laughs> I'm already a Bruce Campbell fan you're going to throw in Army of Darkness slash Bubba Ho Tep so this is going to be a new number one this is going to be a uh, six-issue miniseries, I believe. But uh, you read the the uh, synopsis for this, and if I mean, we should probably be clear what what Boba Hotep is about. Uh, I mean, because it's a fairly niche movie. Well, they even throw that in with the uh, with the uh, synopsis. But yeah, Boba Hotep was a movie. Bruce Campbell plays Elvis. Uh, so Elvis is in a nursing home, and uh, he tells everybody he's Elvis. No one believes him. They think he's a crazy, cranky old man. But it, it played into one of those old conspiracy theories of it, that it wasn't actually Elvis who died, it was an Elvis impersonator who died. Mm-hmm. So that's what they're going with in this, and the real Elvis is still alive and he's in a nursing home. He got he got fed up with the stardom and fed up with the Yeah, the just wanted a normal and, life. Uh, so he set up... But yeah, now no one believes yeah. him when he tries to tell yeah. all these stories. So his best friend in Bubba Hotep is a black guy who claims to be JFK. Yep. Mm-hmm. And that the CIA dyed his skin and dumped him in a nursing home. And replaced his brain with sawdust. Yeah. Yep. So they're really good friends. And then this uh, 2,000-year-old mummy attacks the nursing home. And these two are the only two that can stop it. It's utterly ridiculous, utterly stupid, utterly brilliant. And then the, the recent Bubba Hotep uh, 
Cosmic Bloodsuckers mm-hmm. uh, series that takes place. So the the original Boba Hotep movie takes place in the I guess it's the early two thousands, yeah, uh, late nineties, and uh, Cosmic Bloodsuckers goes back. You were to about to say s- Cosmic Ghost Rider? Oh, was it? It goes back to the seventies, yeah, and it uh, features the Colonel Colonel Parker, who was Elvis's manager at the time, yeah, and. So it's it's a prequel in a way. Uh, the colonel uh, leads a crack uh, team. Well, they don't seem maybe cracks the wrong word. A team of uh, individuals, charismatic individuals who are fighters of the supernatural. Yeah. Um, you know who feature they feature John Henry, who was the railway man who uh, raced the machine. You know, uses as a steel driver, and uh, there's a variety of other uh, characters in there led by the colonel, and they're they're like a sort of a uh, like a secret service squad mm-hmm. against supernatural things and they seem to have uh, it, it works upon so they, they have Elvis along because his charisma his charisma is almost magical you know and, yeah. uh, and that so that's kind of that's kind of interesting uh, so there's uh, interesting stuff and again it's just a little bit uneven in places you know it's, yeah. mm-hmm. it's but um, with this one if this does not live up to the synopsis I'll be very surprised uh, the synopsis goes uh, two cult classics clash for the first time in an epic crossover miniseries Ash embarks on a soul searching road trip to Texas on a hunch that Elvis Presley may still be alive and kicking and supposedly vanquished a mummy what follows is a series of universe spanning events that involve an Elvis jumpsuit with special time travel abilities a trip to 70s Vegas plus the reveal of an evil new book of the dead the Necronomicon Hotep uh, <laughs> I mean, come on. This just is phenomenal. Uh, has Ash met his ultimate match when training barbs with a 4,000-year-old foul-mouthed mummy who sucks souls? Can his idol Elvis mentor him through a midlife crisis before it becomes his final crisis? Join the adventure in a road-tripping, time-hopping, groovy tale. I mean, that just sounds great. I yeah, mean, that, that yeah, even I, sounds to me like each issue is going to be almost like a one-shot as well with all the time travel yeah, and stuff uh-huh. and, you know, working in the, the Book of the Dead in there and all that stuff. I think that'll be brilliant. It'll be very hard not to read it in Bruce Campbell's signature drawl. <laughs> oh, be, absolutely! That'll be the voice yeah. of the head. And as it's, well. uh, so is Elvis in this going to be the the seventy year old, the seventy year old man? I presume so. I mean, if it's if it's Ash on, well, suppose yeah. I mean, is it Ash in modern day, like Ash versus Evil Dead, or is it Ash after the Evil Dead movies, where he's more in his sort of early thirties, late twenties? Or will or will this time traveling jumpsuit, in fact? Uh, place yeah. old Elvis's mind in young Elvis's body. Yeah, uh, I don't know. So many questions. So many questions. <laughs> um, how are we going to get our answers, Alan? I think we're going to be putting that in pull lists. So how we're so going to get our answers? It's not just a crossover of um, what's the word franchises, but it's also crossover companies too. Yeah. Just by looking at it, IDW and Dynamite. IDW did Bubba Hotep. Uh, Dynamite Army of Darkness I think. W is yes Bubba Hotep and uh, Dynamite not only is it a crossover yes. of companies but it's a crossover of Bruce Campbell's yeah yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I think that's it sounds like maybe I don't know if Bubba Hotep would be the right fit for IDW mm-hmm. but um, I think Dynamite definitely have that kind of zany wacky yeah crazy oh, pulpy style, yeah. Yeah. pulp kind of yeah, I mean, you think of their big titles, it's Vampirella, yeah. you know, Red Sonja, it's, you know, Conan, although obviously Marvel have the license back with Conan now. Oh, Jesus, are they using it? Oh, God, yeah, another new Conan title announced mm-hmm. this month as well. Savage Sword. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, so yeah, that's Army of Darkness, Bubba Hotep, that's a number one, going to be six issues. Rider on that is uh, Scott Duval, 
and art by Vincenzo Federici. Um, and gotta say, I wasn't uh, terribly taken, and I think it was. I'm not. I'm not not enjoying Bubba Hotep, mm-hmm. but there's just something about it that's not quite uh, jiving. Not quite jiving. Yes, and uh, but whenever you're reading that now, that sounds that sounds like it's maybe going to be uh, unmissable. I mean, it could even be as as Roddy states with this being a crossover event between two different companies, maybe this zany story needed Dynamite's touch, you know, they've proven very successful with the Army of Darkness comics for years you know, they've done everything from Ash Gets Hitch to Army of Darkness Vampirella crossovers to all sorts, so they know this stuff inside and out, so maybe they're guiding maybe they can just sort of guide that a little bit better than maybe uh, IDW was doing with the Bubba Hotep series on its own uh, so yeah, that's due to drop uh, 13th of February, so day before Valentine's Day, if you fancy some Bruce Campbell living. Uh, I think you're you're good to go there. Uh, yeah, so after that, it's actually going to be a very quick recommendation just from Roddy. It's one that's not actually on the board. Uh, it's actually going to be a trade paperback release so by one, this point. One that wasn't picked by you? It wasn't, yeah. you know, but uh, it's it's grand. It's uh, This is going to be the trade paperback release of a... Image series? Yep, Image, Edition, yeah. Um, so, yeah, take it away. So, yeah, um, as probably everyone knows by the last uh, podcast, and maybe just talking to me, I'm like a big Image fan. And so this book sort of just literally just looking through the previews. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if people really, just a random question or observation, would you have the previews out for people to look at? And just Absolutely. walk yeah. in the store. So the previews are always up at the counter. You know, we, we keep them in the store. Anyone wants to look at them, flick through them, grab yeah, a coffee, yeah. sit down. I try my best as well with a lot of regulars to let them know when the new previews is in. Yeah. You know, so if they do want to look at it, they're obviously more than welcome. But um, yeah, I was I was in a couple of days ago or it might have been a week ago and just randomly looking through it and this took my took my eye. Um, it's called Cold Spots. Um, it's a trade paperback and it is by Cullen Bunn of X-Men Blue Fame who I think you said Mark Miller was the Stephen King of comics I think Cullen Bunn I would argue Mark Miller has more hits than mm, Cullen Bunn Cullen Bunn yeah he's Cullen Bunn you have to remember wrote the absolute piece of trash that was the Lobo reimagining well where it was emo Lobo (laughs) the only good part about it a sore spot there yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, but well I am a fan of him because I've only really read his sort of indie stuff mm-hmm, I'm okay. a big Harrow County fan he's a big big horror guy and this book looks like cosmic terror supernatural and the art is by Mark Torres as well and the cover is just fantastic if you get a chance to have a look at it um, just looks like a really interesting book to be honest Um so I'm very excited for it. I think, I know, Colin, Colin Bunn's quite a Marvel guy, isn't he? Yeah, absolutely as well. he is, yeah. Uh-huh. I know he had a big run on Venom and yep. Carnage by the looks mm-hmm. of it too. A uh, bit of Spider-Man in there, a bit of Captain America towards... Uh, yeah, I didn't didn't realise he had quite... Battle quite such a... um, He, with Matt Fraction, he oh, brought back... Yeah. Um, he, he introduced a new Nick Fury to the mainline Marvel Universe. Really? And brought... Oh. Um, what do you call him? Agent Coulson. Ah, okay. Let me just see. But yeah, um, looks like a great, just another great image horror title. Like, 
if it's one thing, well, Image did a lot of things well, but horror and sci-fi is just, you know, it's going to be good. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, it's interesting you say, with Colin Bunn and his output uh, being quite prolific, I was on Twitter the other night and actually a tweet that he put up caught my eye. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's a picture of a bookshelf and he says, these are all the books I've written and uh, I still haven't put them all out. And that is quite a lot of graphic novels. And he's wrote, he's wrote all of those, and uh, he still... Stephen King's bookshelf would be about twice that. I and think. he still hasn't, uh, he says... <laughs> I, I do like his little comment at the end, and hey, I even like some of them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I he seems, s- I follow him on Twitter, he seems like a really down-to-earth guy. Yeah, I mean, I will say I really do enjoy his uh, sort of supernatural cowboy series, Sixth Gun. It's very good. Ah. Uh, which is a cracking I think it's only press through that yeah. it's a very good wee title so um, yeah so that's a, a trade coming out this way there are a couple of good looking trades for Image and Fairness coming in February Bully Wars number one Skyward number two as um, well volume two you're going to have Burnouts as well yes. we're going to have no we're but not going to have Dead Rabbit not Dead Rabbit um, High Crimes I really recommend that if you've never read it this is actually an old title um, where there's a murder that takes place on Mount Everest um, well, but they're released okay. in trade paperback it's only been available as a hardcover before I believe uh, I've got it in the house somewhere um, I have to say Weatherman Volume 1 Leviathan Volume 1 <laughs> so uh, yeah always keep an eye out for the image ones because the image model's great you know it's 5-6 issues take a break do the trade boom ready to uh, go if it's volume 1 it'll be nice entry points yeah. 9 times yeah. out of 10 there are the old ones that they don't do the entry point with most of them will be a £9 entry point, but sometimes that creeps up a little bit. Yeah. Uh, so it's just one to keep an eye on. Uh, so yeah, we're sort of coming towards the end of recommendations. Still a few more to go. Uh, again, this is going to be another jumping on point uh, for a, a Marvel series. And for me, with all the Marvel Legacy relaunches, this is probably in the top three. Yep, agreed. Um, Ryan Otley uh, and Nick Spencer are doing fantastic things on, yeah. uh, on Amazing Spider-Man at the minute. Um, really enjoying it. Um, been enjoying it since the since the start. They've really pulled it back to the uh, Peter Parker. You know the that that uh, damn Parker luck. Uh, <laughs> you know Peter's gone from being a billionaire in charge of his own company, uh, Parker Enterprises or Parker Industries, that was uh, rivaling Stark Enterprises as a as a tech company. Uh, and in the the first couple of issues. He is destitute. He is um, like Actually, living living in his mate's sofa. Yeah, I was saying to Alan the other day. Um, I got the game recently. Oh yeah, and the game reminds me of reading the Amazing Spider-Man. It's the same tone. I yeah, think. yeah, yeah, yeah. And they, I think he's just captured like a big fan and expenser. Um, I really, really like what he's done with the series mm. and Ryan Otley. Yeah, too. I think he's. I mean, Ryan Otley came off um, Invincible. Mm-hmm. That's where, well, alongside Robert Kirkman, that's where he made, he, he drew that from the start. Yeah, uh, 144 yeah, issues though. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, came straight on to then Spider Man, and that it, it, the art really suits it. Um, it was a wee bit oh, car- yeah. cartoony to start, you know, but it's really, it's really grown into it. Um, Out of pure interest, just as a side question, the Spider Man game was it written by a Spider Man writer? I don't know. Just they were very, they were very upfront when they did the Arkham Asylum games. That it was Batman Riders. I'm going to say yes. It has to be. It just, has to be. I'm just yeah. purely curious because um, um, I know Paul Dini wrote some of the the Arkham games. Yeah. 
and the Spider-Man game from what I understand I haven't played it myself but from what I understand it's so enriched in Marvel history that I'm just just genuine curiosity more than anything if uh, Christos well, Gage and Dan Slott. Yeah, there you go. There's yeah, there's three three more writers. It had to be Dan Slott. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, like, so yeah, it's a, it's a, a decade run, and uh, I'll sign off for the video again. Yeah, absolutely. So, so yeah, I mean, I'm really, I've really been enjoying uh, Spider Man. They've, uh, you know, some <laughs> he's um, he's living in an apartment currently with um, uh, Joe Robertson's son Randy and uh, Boomerang. One of his, one of Spider-Man's arch enemies, Peter Parker, is <laughs> or one of his old enemies, and uh, there's been some great stories surrounding that. Uh, he's back together with Mary Jane, which is just fantastic. Uh, been waiting to happen that for that to happen since Mephisto. Uh, uh, they did a deal with the devil, a literal deal with the devil, and and sacrificed their relationship and the history of it. So uh, they're back together again. Um, Peter lost his PhD because. Uh, uh, through plagiarism uh, as a result of the superior Spider-Man whenever Doc Ock um, oh, yes, that's he had right, gone yeah. his PhD <laughs> so he's lost his company he's lost his PhD but he's gained a lot of his life back you know yeah. And, uh, so yeah it's cool but um, I guess this is a jumping on point uh, it says uh, the road to haunted 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 starts here the road to haunted oh. starts here um, it's the biggest amazing Spider-Man story of the year aren't they all uh, starts next month so uh, so don't miss this prologue um, I like that it's the biggest story of the year and it's February well, yeah, that's, that's a fair point no one else can write a story as big as this the rest of the issues in February uh, well uh, it seems that this this particular one uh, is the, is the oh, prologue oh 16th in February yeah. so 15th oh, okay. the sorry, end sorry. of an arc yeah, and 16th exactly. the start of so, a new one uh, so it's strange that since the start uh, of this new Amazing Spider-Man series they've been weaving in the odd page uh, of um, that seems to sort of segue towards Craven, mm-hmm. Craven the Hunter, uh, one of one of Spider Man's old time arch enemies, and uh, they're apparently trying to film a movie around, aren't they? Are they really? They're trying to make a Craven movie, but not involve Spider Man in it or something. That's weird. Yeah, very less strange. sad, easier men than I think. Um, <laughs> so, well, I mean, they're doing the same with Joker without Batman, and I'm not really terribly excited. Yeah, about I that. guess you got to try these yeah, things. Yeah, I suppose you? you do. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but they've been weaving these one page you know uh, one pages into the Spider-Man Amazing Spider-Man issues that seem to feature like there was one that featured this dude who was uh, like clearly a, like a, an overweight uh, tourist type mm-hmm. um, who was lost in the jungle and you know in danger and he seemed to stumble upon Craven and so there's been an odd week Craven there's a wee thread that's been yeah. running through all these Spider-Man well, books. Well, so wasn't Craven as well in the Captain America run just before? Yes, he was. Yeah, like the start sure. of Legacy, but yeah. obviously they went yeah. back to it. But it Craven was. was involved when Wade and Samney were doing it. Yeah, that's true. So, so there's there's been wee hints of Craven here and there, but yeah. uh, and certainly through this amazing Spider-Man story up until issue sixteen, where it says the Craven thread gets woven into Spider-Man's life in a terrifying way that puts Spidey on the road to ruin. Uh, so, not sure what it's about. Um, Lovely uh, picture here of uh, of uh, Craven standing in a doorway with uh, pictures of the lizard uh, Spider Man and uh, and it looks like the lizard's family uh, maybe uh, pinned up. So uh, interested to see what that brings. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think this will be the first time that Nick Spencer has written uh, Craven the Hunter. Yeah. So yeah, always interested to see. It's interesting as well that you're saying about Ryan Otley. He's he's drawing sixteen, but he's not drawing fifteen. Uh, yeah. Chris Bacallo. Yeah, know. he's been swapping out uh, every odd issue. Because I had Humberto Ramos for a That's couple right, of yeah. as well. And, uh, is it once every? Uh, is it once every three issues? Yeah. And it's, it's a fortnightly book, so yeah, I can. Under- well, though that said, the guy, <laughs> the guy's as I say, just off 144 issues of. Uh, yeah. so you would wonder but but yeah I don't know if they're swapping them out every three it doesn't seem to it doesn't seem to make a massive difference yeah. no the title's been quality so far first trade's just recently come out so it's a great time to get into Spider-Man you know maybe people weren't sure what direction it would go in after Dan Slott had written it for 10 years and change of direction but Nick Spencer stepped in without missing a beat mm-hmm. yeah. and it's been just one of Marvel's most outright fun books yep. so yeah. far um, and, that's, and that's what you want from a Spider-Man book yeah. Yeah. recently actually whenever you're talking about the, the game the PS4 game uh, they've uh, they've pulled in the Black Cat who obviously is the star of uh, the DLC of yeah, the game yeah, yeah. Uh, and they've pulled her back into the, the book uh, Black Cat and Peter Webb Felicia and Peter and Black Cat and Spider-Man have a history, a romantic history and a, uh, a team-up history, um, which is a big part of the DLC, but at the same time they've, they've pulled her in actually and the the episode of the DLC that she was in was called The Heist mm-hmm. and the two or three part story that she featured in oh, Spider-Man yeah. was called Heist, nice. um, yeah. you know, so and they, they, she's coming back, she has... For a while she was uh, a kingpin of New York crime and was a real badass and she had been hurt by Spider-Man and all of this sort of stuff and that seemed to drive her that direction so now it's coming back the other direction so yeah so that's nice as well yep so cool. yep Amazing Spider-Man generally but number 16 appears to be a wee bit of a jumping on point so yeah. that could new be new readers can yep. start there that absolutely could be it. cool uh, so move away from Amazing Spider-Man um, moving on to a title this caught my eye on the DC book uh, primarily because I was a massive fan of Tom Keane's uh, Miss Miracle run with uh, Mitch Dredd's on art. And this looks to be a spin-off from it, which is actually going to be a female-dominated title. It's going to be called Female Furies. It's going to be a six-issue miniseries. Uh, it's written by Cecil Castellucci with art by Adriana Mello. Uh, now, the artist I am familiar with from Plastic Man, uh, a little miniseries with Gail Simone. Uh, again, a little bit up and down that, but I always thought the art was strong. And the writers actually have shared the changing girl from DC's Young Animal imprint, which never really caught fire, I don't think, which was a bit of a shame. There was some good stuff in it. Uh, of course, here's our customary mention for Milk Wars with every podcast. Uh, <laughs> but no, Female Fury, so this is going to be a six-issue miniseries. And I'm, I'm hopeful this is the kind of title that could even reach a new audience. It's a very female-led title. Um, the blurb for it goes that all their lives, the female Furies have been raised to be the meanest, most cunning, and most ruthless fighting force on all of Apocalypse. So why are Granny Goodness's girls left behind every time the men go to war? With the might of New Genesis hanging over the planet, and the forever people making mincemeat out of Darkseid's army, Granny thinks it's about time that changed. And so, Big Barda, who of course was one of the main stars of Mr. Miracle, Mad Harriet, Lashina, Bernadette, and Stompa set out to beat the boys at their own game. Little do they know the game is rigged, and one accidental murder could spell disaster for them all. Female Furies is an exciting new miniseries starring some of Jack Kirby's coolest fourth world characters, again by the writer of Shade the Changing Girl. So yeah, just looks like fun to me. It was a title that came out of nowhere. Um, for you variant hunters out there as well, there is going to be a variant cover by Francesco Mattina, 
He seems to be one of the, the hottest uh, artists at the moment in terms of variant covers. Uh, so yeah, that's one to look forward to. The Furies they featured fairly recently in Action Comics or Superman. Superman, not? yeah. Um, I haven't read Mister Miracle yet, but I'm on. Trade's um, coming uh, soon. Yeah, I'm on, it's on my pull list. Is the trade? Uh, Stephen was. Yeah. Was speaking very highly about it. You've spoken very highly about it. It's Tom yeah. King, isn't it? Tom King. Yeah, it's trade. Yeah, it's the Sheriff of Babylon too. Uh, I've I've high hopes that Martian Manhunter is going to fill that void for a slightly off center maxi series because it's going to be 12 issues okay. it kicks off yep. but Mr. Miracle is yeah up there probably top 3 of the year from any any label Mr. Miracle is phenomenal uh, so when's yeah. the trade out sorry trade, to interrupt is that February 2 no the trade of um, Mr. Miracle I think is end of December I want to say um, I'm going to have to look it up here just to uh, confirm that I do have quite a few of them pre-ordered for the store Again, you know, the likes of Keith have already pre-ordered the trade, but um, what I do like about it is, is they're releasing the entire trade in one Aye, go. not just yeah, two. it's not like yeah. six issues and six issues. Um, it's actually going to be end of January. I'll take it back. So, and then yeah, so the the last couple of titles just had that slight female edge to it as well with female furies, but also the last title that's on the previews board is Hit Girl season two. Now, I've been enjoying Kick-Ass, and I haven't really read a lot of the Hit Girl series so far. Now, Vicky's been reading it, and she's been very much enjoying it. And the reason this one caught my eye is actually because uh, Kevin Smith is going to be writing it. Uh, it is... Apparently, he went to Mark Miller that I would really like to write Hit Girl. And I've got an idea for a story arc, and... Of course, Mark Miller, you know, he's a shrewd businessman, said no problem, let you uh, write it. But what they've done is instead of like Kevin Smith taking over, say, issue 14 of it or whatever, it's actually been subtitled season two, and then it's going to be a new number one. Now, the, uh, the artist for it I'm not too familiar with, um, Purnell O'Room, I want to say. The O has a bit of a, an accent through the middle of it. Um, I think uh, more comics should do that season two thing. Yeah, I definitely mean it, like an image book. If they're taking a hiatus, it should be comes back with true. a season two. It is true because two. I mean, if you look at something, you know, the first title that comes to my mind is Saga. So Saga, they they break it down into books. So if you're reading the trades, it's number one, number two, number three. But if you're reading the singles, number two is seven to twelve. Number three is 13 to 18. So in that sense, I, I agree. I think this is something they should definitely do with indie books. Obviously, we had a little chat earlier about what it would mean in the DC and Marvel side of things. But I think for indie books, this could definitely work. Um, and is that film, podcast, and comics legend? It is Kevin indeed. Smith. Oh, I love how they've introduced Kevin Smith in this. Film, podcast, and comics legend. In fairness, he probably was one of the first guys who really spearheaded... Um, podcasts yeah yeah no, i mean i actually i hadn't uh i hadn't looked at that book i mean i i, I read the original kick-ass um i think i read the first hit girl series yeah maybe well, it was for me to junior on art so you yeah probably well, probably way yeah um but after that i never really picked it up i haven't really picked up kick-ass too um but uh kevin smith the fact that kevin smith's on it i might consider it 
Go ahead, we have a special guest who wants to chime in at this point. The new um, series of Kick-Ass where it's actually a female and it, she's a coloured lady and she's got um, sort of military background. It's been very good and it's nice to see a different sort of turn on it, not being a male character and sort of just having sort of a female be a badass. It's just nice to see and sort of I spoke with when we met John Menia um, at the con I said about how I absolutely loved it and he completely agreed that it took a different turn. It was nice to see like a female being sort of supported in that kind of character. Mm-hmm. And Class. it'd be nice to sort of see obviously Karen Smith on a comic. So I've not really sort of read anything of his before. So yeah. it'd be nice to sort of read something of, that I like. Okay, Kevin Smith had a great Daredevil run. Yeah, he's, um, he's primarily known in comics for Daredevil, Green Arrow and Batman the three that come to my mind yeah. uh, but Kevin Smith's always been good at writing female characters I think I think Jason Amy's his strongest movie and I mean I know it's uh, just whenever you're here Vicky actually uh, I mean I I always find that comics when, when it when it comes to just as you said badass female characters I think comics maybe represents that better than film or TV yeah uh, you know so I have to say the films Wonder Woman um I think they hit the nail on the head. Like that was probably one of my favorite. It's my favorite DC film. Yeah. Obviously, Batman Begins will always be my ultimate Batman film, which I know I can see Alan shaking his head. <laughs> I totally agree with you. Um, it's always been one. Kieran, I need you back here. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> this is where we are good with everything. We have different opinions, but we also agree on some things. But. I just have to say that Wonder Woman was my favourite film and yeah. obviously Gal Gadot absolutely nailed the role and I'm, I know the second one has been pushed back for another year, is it? Yeah, it's um, 2020 I think it's been pushed to. So yeah, um, I'm sad to see that but I'm glad to see that they're doing it right and yeah. making sure that yeah. it's, it's as good as the first You'd one. You'd rather they took their time with it. The only reason I'm not sure why it's going to be delayed so much is because they're already filming it. But I, I just, I think the whole this is a whole separate conversation. But I think the whole DC universe movies are going to be completely reshaped. Um, although Aquaman's tracking well, but the the best reason it seems to be getting good reviews is because it's a standalone, which is what mm. DC need to focus on instead yeah. of like Marvel have perfected the connected universe, lead them to it, just tell individual stories. Yeah. And I think that's why Wonder Woman. It, 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 I don't think it's the best of the DCU movies because everyone knows my love of BVS extended edition but the reason Wonder Woman works so well is because apart from a very quick bookend of Bruce Wayne delivering that photo it's its own movie and it's not related yeah. to anything um, speaking actually just of um, like female characters that uh, Pernille Orum mm-hmm. she worked on the DC superhero, superhero girls um, TV show she's yeah. a character designer well, so I think that's her I don't want to say her first foray in the comics but um, no I mean it could, might not be but uh, I was just looking at her Instagram there it's absolutely fantastic mm-hmm. yeah I mean she there has been some DC superhero girls books as well as the um, as well as the show so and uh, so Vicky you're on the next podcast I believe uh, <laughs> yes <laughs> I like to just jump in every now and then <laughs> Uh, but yeah, just back to finishing off about Hit Girl. What's interesting about it, I have to say, from reading the uh, reading the plot and synopsis of it, is that 
It sounds like the plot of Jen Silent Bob struck back to me. Uh, our favourite adolescent assassin tears Tinseltown a new one when she realises her life's being dramatised for the silver screen. Hit girls, storm sets, wages wars on fat cat movie bosses and lures old enemies out of hiding in this Californian bloodbath. Maybe not the Californian bloodbath part, but Jen Silent Bob was all about them finding out they were making a movie about them. They hated the idea that they were talking shit about them and they wanted to get the movie stopped. So it's uh, it's quite closely related with that, I would say. Uh, but yeah, I'm looking forward to this. I, I love Kevin Smith's stuff, and again, I was saying, I think he's he is very good at writing female characters. You know, you'd look at Chase and Amy, for example. You know, his female characters are strong characters. So uh, yeah, I look forward to this. There is going to be the trade out the same day for, I suppose, what's the first season almost of Hit Girl. Uh, which is uh, called Room, Volume Three, just because of the original volumes. Okay. Uh, so that's going to be Hit Girl and Room. That one, I believe. Yep, Raphael Albuquerque actually writes some of that as well. Um, so yeah, that's uh, that's the last recommendation. Certainly in terms of what we've got on our board in the store, anyway. I don't know if you guys yeah, have come across it. one or two other bits and bobs. Um, well, whenever I, I mean, just a quick flick through the. Through the Marvel book generally, as as we as we had said, I mean the Marvel previews this this month is is fairly solid. Like it's fairly uh, confident was the word you used, I believe. Yeah, uh, I totally agree with you. Um, uh, there's a couple more on my list that you know didn't go on the board, but uh, Marvel, as we mentioned, seems to have got back the license for Conan. Yeah. Uh, so Conan the the Conan book, which is out um, in. January, January. Uh, starts in January by Jason Aaron. I mean, Jason Aaron has been writing Thor uh, for years now, very, very successfully. It's the Jason Aaron's run on Thor is going to go down as one of the legendary Thor mm-hmm. runs of all time. Uh, there's no doubt about it. From the God Butcher storyline right up to uh, what he's doing right now, through what he did with Jane Foster um, and all of that. So uh, he's picked up Conan, which I'm really looking forward to. But uh, February sees the release of The Savage Sword of Conan, written by Jerry Duggan. Uh, oh, he's a bit of a Marvel did, legend. Yeah. He did Dead Rabbit as well. There you are. Yeah, yeah well, uh-huh. the, like I'm glad because I felt really bad about the Dead Rabbit thing. So yeah, at least he's. Cease and desist order by the bar yeah. in New York, yeah. <laughs> at least he's uh, like still working. And uh, well, he's uh, Jerry Duggan, uh, Deadpool, Infinity yeah. Wars. He's the current writer of Infinity Wars. But. Um, and the, the artist is Ron Garney who's uh, again another long time Marvel guy uh, Daredevil uh, Thor God of Thunder uh, covers by Alex Ross who we mentioned earlier on yeah. Marvel, but this looks like it's going to be I mean I really love sword and sorcery stuff uh, mm-hmm. Dungeons and Dragons you know all that good stuff um, and this this the Conan stuff is really going to uh, scratch that itch I think in comics yeah. um, the ancient cult of uh, Kogathon a mystical treasure and the only man who can save the Hyborian Age. Um, so, I, I mean, Conan's great stuff. It's always been really pulpy stuff. Yeah. Um, uh, Howard originally wrote it, whenever he came up with it, and there's some great stories. But he was a, a like Lovecraft and some of those guys. He was, um, I guess, a, a troubled individual, you know, and he used to say that uh, he used to sit and write the Conan books. And uh, he almost felt like this big dark shape of this barbarian was over his shoulder, and <laughs> he felt that if he didn't write the books, this guy would kill him. <laughs> you know what I mean? So really, but this the the art looks great for this. Um, look at this; it looks like a it looks like the real pulp style. You yeah, know? I wonder what 
what the kind of difference they're going for is uh, yeah. between Savage Sword and like the main series. The, the main series, I don't know. There's certainly this is a wee bit dirtier, uh, you know, a wee bit more savage. I mean, here's Conan lying on a raft, you know, eating raw bits off a dead shark, uh, <laughs> as one does. Um, so yeah, Savage Sword of Conan. Um, Conan the Barbarian, is, it looks a wee bit cleaner. Um, what else have we got in here? Daredevil, as Alan said earlier on. Um, just interesting to say there as well about swords and sorcery. I noticed an IDW series are actually a Dungeons and Dragons series. IDW much. have had the license for Dungeons and Dragons for quite a, a few years now. Yeah. And I've released a lot. Some of the stuff is based off. Do you remember the uh, Baldur's Gate mm -hmm. um, computer game from years ago? Uh, it's on there. So. Yeah, I've um, got a new mini series coming out Dungeons and Dragons A Darkened Witch, number one. Oh, yeah, Forgotten Realms. Um, so, could be interesting as well. Uh, so Marvel's also also celebrating its 80th year this year. Um, I mean, I'm sure we're going to see uh, probably a month, maybe January, um, attributed to Stan Lee. They'll probably have variant covers and uh, some Stan stuff. That I think all the main titles have the Stan Lee yeah. tributes as well, don't they? Yeah, there's yeah. apparently going to be a little um, black lining across the top of a lot of the issues. It's just going to say Stan Lee, 1930, mm -hmm. whatever to who. Cool. 2018 that kind of thing so there was uh, rumours of a little bit of uh, some variant covers being done and stuff celebrating them as well so we'll wait see, and see yeah. Um, yeah. but this is say uh, next year's Mar Marvel's 80th year and they're doing uh, different throwbacks to comics that made them and at the time uh, Marvel was well known for its uh, or Atlas was well known for its uh, western books so they've got one book here called The Gunhawks, uh, Marvel's 80th anniversary. We've set our sights in bringing some old titles back into the herd. Uh, we've brought in Stray Bullets, um, David and Maria Lapham for a bullet-riddled saga of violence, vengeance, and Western justice. Um, in the days of the Old West, there were plenty of fearsome folk, cowboys, rustlers, lawmen, and outlaws, but few were as fearsome as the Gunhawks. Uh, one shot, 32 pages. Um, I think uh, a lot of the folks that come into the store are uh, are hopped up on Red Dead Redemption too. Yeah, uh, so, uh, <laughs> with so, good reason, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's maybe gonna. You gonna... don't really see many Western comics. <laughs> it's definitely a genre that's you yeah. get you get the odd one. Well, yeah, but it's, I mean, it's we we get asked for it a lot in the store. But Westerns, yeah, believe it or not, um, a lot of people look for Western yeah. stories. Boom did a good But one. then you say that, and then they recently released the new Lone Ranger one, and it is actually Thanks pretty good. It, yeah, I'm really enjoying it. I yeah. wouldn't say sales are massive for it, but Boom had a few good ones. There was one called Death Be Damned, and there's one. Is that the Lone Ranger one you're yeah. looking at there? Yeah, yeah. Ah. it's a five issue miniseries. It's like John Cassidy and stuff doing art on it. John Cassidy is very closely associated with Lone Ranger. Um, uh, old Man Quill is uh, in the Marvel book uh, recently we've had Old Man Logan and uh, Old Man Hawkeye uh, I don't know if that's set in the same universe but certainly it's an older uh, Peter Quill um, uh, meet Peter Quill he used to be Star-Lord you know the legendary outlaw he's been been quite some time since he's gone by that name taking over from his father as the Emperor, as the emperor of Spartax Quill put the life of spacefaring adventure behind him uh, for one of leadership and responsibility Quill grew up but things didn't quite go as planned Decades have passed and Peter is haunted by tragedy. Down and out, Quill's existence means nothing until the former Guardians of the Galaxy drag Peter out of his funk for one last mission, the heist of a lifetime. And Quill's harrowing quest for redemption begin here. So that's going to be a 12 issue. Um, again, the Age of X-Man last month, uh, or sorry, in January, we have uh, 
Edge of X-Man Alpha, and mm-hmm. then we've got the start of um, what looked like <clears throat> four, five-issue uh, miniseries, Edge of X-Men, Edge of X-Man, The Marvelous X-Men, one of five, Edge of X-Man, Next Gen, Edge of X-Man, The Amazing Nightcrawler, and Edge of X-Man, The Extremists. I don't know what's going on there, if it's sort of an Edge of Apocalypse type thing, whether... Mm-hmm. Um, Basically the entire Marvel book at this rate. Yeah. And you, you didn't even mention Hulkverines. Hulkverines, no. Uh, I'm going <laughs> to swing... Uh, <laughs> it's a Hulk. very confident Marvel uh, They really <laughs> are a very confident... Uh, it's the clash you've been waiting for. Um, that's, see? I have. Yeah. I have. Yeah. You can rest easy tonight, boys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, probably. probably What's the other Wolverine one with the Infinity Gauntlet? Oh. Um, as well. A five-issue miniseries. Uh, you do gotta love the cover artwork for it, because um, the I'm convinced. I said this to someone else as well. I'm convinced with Wolverine, the Marvel executives just sit in a room and go, "So what have we not done with Wolverine yet?" And uh, in this sense, this is one called uh, Wolverine Infinity Watch. It's gonna be a five issue miniseries. Cosmic Again, Wolverine. Jerry Dugan. He's definitely not. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you felt bad for him. Yeah, he wasn't doing any work. I think he's all right. <laughs> mm-hmm. But just the cover image is the Infinity Gauntlet <laughs> with the adamantium claws. Well, I guess, I guess what? At least they're coming out in the right place, and he's got the right yeah. number of fingers. Um, but I guess since Wolverine came back, he has had the which Infinity Gem did he have? Is it the, the Time Gem? Um, so I guess this is the story of how Wolverine got that yeah. got that gem or how Logan got that gem. Um, anything else jumping out past Hulkverines here? Uh, I'm really kind of uh, interested in this. We, we mentioned this earlier on, but Avengers 14 and 15 by Jason Aaron uh, have the, uh, the, the banner of the War of the Realms is coming. Uh, so that can only be a, a good thing. It looks like in Avengers we're going into... Uh, some sort of a vampire related story uh, the war of the vampires begins uh, that looks like it's going to feature Blade the Vampire Hunter if it doesn't it should because <laughs> everything to do with vampires in, uh, in the, the, the Marvel Universe should feature Blade um, there's a, a nice one page here for the war of the realms is coming April 2019 Jason Aaron, Russell Dodderman, Matthew Wilson. Jason Aaron, Russell Dodderman uh, have paired up on Thor quite uh, the last few series of Thor. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I can't help but notice here is in the background we have Captain America on a winged horse. Just can't go wrong with that kind of imagery. Say no more. Um, looks like it's <laughs> going to be a big crossover. Iron Man, Captain Marvel, Luke Cage, Wolverine, Black Panther, Valkyrie, Ghost Rider, Doctor Strange... She-Hulk, oh there's Blade, Venom, uh, Spider-Man, a few heads in there, um, Captain America going fantastically, we mentioned uh, the Immortal Hulk, you've been reading yeah, that as well. I read the first graphic novel on, I'd say both your recommendation, but uh, your sort of comments about this horror, really old school yeah, horror yeah. vibe on the last previous podcast kind of had it in my head. And then I saw it in Coffee and Heroes, and I was like, Do you know what? I'm just gonna pick. And there's, I mean, I don't, want, I, I don't want to spoil anything for you. Um, February's issue thirteen, but I think the last issue I read was issue eight, maybe, uh, which is beyond I think where you're you're yep, read. But yep, there was some really, five. really horrific stuff. Even the way that uh, Hulk changes back into Bruce Banner is kind of it's a way we've never seen before, mm-hmm. and it was kind of a wee bit. There, there, there's a wee bit of uh, like John Carpenter body horror going on. 
Yeah, because um, there was in... I think it was the last issue I read there. Well, I can't remember. The Sasquatch, where he changed yeah, back. They, yeah, were, they reminded me of the thing, yeah, definitely. And, uh, I mean, Alpha Flight is clearly a thing here because uh, here for issue 13, it mentions that... Uh, but there are uh, two people who hell wasn't strong enough to hold. One is a man named Eugene Judd, and uh, for those with any sort of uh, background Marvel knowledge, you'll know Eugene Judd is another member of Alpha Flight, mm -hmm. uh, who was uh, the Canadian version of the X-Men, uh, and originally included, the original team included Sasquatch, ah, and Eugene okay. Judd, who was known as Puck. Oh. Uh, so, uh, it's kind of interesting. Other than that, um, few bits and pieces um, just keep going going past that Deadpool there uh, Venom is fantastic Donny Cates another one of uh, Marvel's superstar writers absolutely uh, just read uh, Web of Venom Carnage Reborn Carnage Born. yeah very very good so I think they're going to be pulling that in um, basically what we're hoping to see in a future edition of Marvel previews is Cosmic Ghost Rider season 2 mm. <laughs> well, recently ended fantastically well so certainly did Obviously, he will return in Guardians, Guardians of the Galaxy. Galaxy. So. Uh, Doctor Strange is uh, has been fabulous so far. Uh, I've been really enjoying it. Fantastic Four by Dan Slott um, of Spider-Man fame has just been great. Um, yeah, some some really good stuff uh, coming up for Marvel. I'm interested to see more of the that sort of 80, 80 year anniversary stuff to see if they do anything else with it. Yeah. Yeah, it seems definitely worth checking out. There we are. Cool. Yeah. I think you're probably going to be a bit bored of listening to us for over two hours at this point. <laughs> so, this has been one mammoth session with no breaks. Yeah. You know, and only we did it. And only one and a half beers. <laughs> so far. <laughs> so far. Uh, yeah. So, as ever, I mean, anything we we chat about, anything appeal to you guys, you know, pop in the shop. You're more than welcome to look through the preview stuff yourself. Obviously, we can only really describe some of the artwork and previews and stuff that they show. So pop in any time, and you can you can have a flick through the old previews books and you know anything you want put on the uh, the pull list. Just let us know. Oh, uh, do you know what? We didn't preview the ultimate book. What's the ultimate book? Tales of Fractured Worlds. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just uh, it's not for February though. Uh, my friends would joke that it's probably been delayed that long that it will come in February. <laughs> but um, probably I'd say by the time you listen to this podcast, um, I've got it all. I've got them all in boxes at my house. So I would say by the time you listen to this, it will be available in Coffee and Heroes. That's so exciting. Yeah, very exciting news. So I just thought I would slip that in there no definitely yeah, we'll uh, well i remember we'll be stocking that and then we're, we're we were chatting the other day about maybe a little idea of having some sort of local day where yeah. roddy would spearhead being there with launching um fractured worlds but maybe even bringing a couple of local artists or writers and you know just make an event of it in the store yeah because um, i think um we've fostered quite a like a little community of artists yeah. that come in and even like beyond that i think it would be something yeah. really cool yeah no that would be yeah. good support so local writers support local story yeah. maybe looking at doing something like that for January um, you know January notoriously is a boring month of the year so <laughs> we, uh, we'll do our best to make something interesting yeah, save, save some Christmas money for it yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely yeah. Um, I guess we'll be back in a couple of weeks with our reviews a reviews podcast that come with just to talk about Middle West uh, to be honest oh great book what yeah. a title yeah uh, uh, I'm up to date for this one, so uh, <laughs> one issue so far. 
Um, and by then we'll also have a new issue of Doomsday Clock to dissect and talk about because and terrorism the, crisis. Well, with Doomsday Clock, the last one we did like this, we uh, we tiptoed around it like crazy because we didn't want to throw spoilers out. But now the review shows are spoiler fantastic, so I can guarantee you, Kieran will be back with us for that one because <laughs> uh, he's a he's a massive Doomsday Clock guy and he also knows some secrets. But anyway, we'll uh, we'll stick a pin in it there. As ever, thanks to uh, Roddy and yeah, to Keith. Thank you. Cheers. And uh, we're now off to have another beer and uh, maybe have some food. So, <laughs> talk to you guys soon. Good night. See you. Yeah.